0: to Hooplecast. I am your host, Matt, and joining me are my newbie co-hosts, Carol, Matt, Mill, and we're a bunch of Hoopleheads, and we're very excited to have a guest with us this week. Please welcome back to the podcast, Corey.
1: Hey, Corey. Hello.
0: Corey was a guest uh, in the first season. He was a, a backup guest, an emergency guest, rather, when Thomas had Skype issues. He jumped in, and I don't know if at the time he had actually seen the episode, so he didn't have a lot to contribute, which is okay. We were just happy to have him here, and he's back, which is great.
2: Yay, Corey. Yay.
0: And you have seen this episode, yeah? Yes, twice. Good. Today. Perfect. (laughs) Twice today. (laughs) This is the Duncan Emerson Winchester Memorial Podcast, because my Sheltie of seven years passed away on Wednesday.
3: Oh yeah. Sorry. So is this his full name. Sorry, his full
0: name is Duncan Emerson Winchester Esquire.
1: Oh, it's very regal sounding. Very like. Are these? Was that a mashup of various characters from various? things? No.
0: If I had been more of a, a Game of Thrones fan at the time, I would probably would have named him Sir Duncan. Oh. But so. uh, unfortunately, you know, he had a seizure Wednesday morning, and oh. I had a Put him down.
1: Oh, I'm so sorry. Very sad. I, I missed yeah.
0: the, the little fur ball already. Yeah. But he would, would have wanted the podcast to go on. So he, <laughs> he was a big Deadwood fan.
1: Yes. As did Hershey when we lost her.
0: Really? She wasn't a fan of this podcast. She was always trying to sabotage.
1: No, <laughs> yeah. she would curl up and purr. <laughs> Is this podcast cursed, guys? Are we next? <laughs>
0: I hope not. (laughs) I hope
1: not. Yeah, she would fall asleep, you know, by the computer, and then start snoring, and it just would sound a little strange. That's all.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Guys, hide your pets. Hide your cats.
1: I I think I'm
3: going.
0: (laughs) So, for our readers' theater today, I've got something that uh, ties into the episode because it's all about the Linguish Theater Company. And our reader is Christiana.
4: Langriche Drama, Black-Eyed Susan, Glorious Farce, Black Hills Daily Times, November 11th, 1877. Amusements. Manager Langriche has prepared a bill of great novelty and pleasure for Saturday night. The drama of Black-Eyed Susan, the comedy of Fox and Goose, and the glorious farce of The Benicia Boy, Form Attractions. The house will be full. Oyster Bay, number 10 Lee Street, has engaged a New York oyster cook. At a meeting held by the Lead City Miners Union, November 8th, it was decided to give a grand ball on Thanksgiving night for the purpose of raising a fund for their treasury. Due notice will be given in time to allow all who wish to contribute to the cause to purchase tickets. The best of music will be engaged, and all who attend will be assured a good time. The Congregational Society of this city are preparing a course of lectures or series of entertainments, partly musical, for the purpose of raising funds to complete and furnish their new building. The object is a laudable one and appeals to the public for support, regardless of the intrinsic value of the course. The first person to appear will be the Honorable G.G. G. Bennett, who on Tuesday evening next in the church will deliver his very interesting and instructive lecture entitled Books and Learning. Highest praise has been awarded our respected jurist for the excellence of this lecture, and we are sure it will be appreciated by his audience Tuesday next. A special telegram from Fort Laramie given the information that Webster, one of the road agents who were captured last Thursday by Lt. Chase and his men, has confessed that he was one of the two who stopped the coach near the Cheyenne River on the night of September 26th and shot Scott Davis, the messenger. Webster's companion is still obstinate and refuses to confess. It seems that the whereabouts of these two robbers was known to Luke Voorhees several days ago. He notified the sheriff, who promised to send a deputy up the road to arrest them, but did not do so. Then S.W. Ford, agent for the stage company at Fort Laramie, traced them up, and after learning of the coach robbery, notified Lt. Chase, who at once started after and captured them. Mr. Ford, riding with him until he became too weak to sit his horse, owing to recent injury. Leader Everybody can eat oysters now! Oyster Bay, number 10 Lee Street, will adopt the eastern scheme of many oysters, many sales, and low prices.
5: Gotta get the oysters.
4: Road Agents of the Hill, a romance of Deadwood, Black Hills Daily Times, December 16th, 1878. The Road Agents. The next performance at the Langriche Theater will be on Thursday evening. The company are now busily engaged, getting ready the new local play in three acts entitled... The Road Agents of the Hills, A Romance of Deadwood. (laughs) This piece promises to be a big success and is highly wrought with the adventures of one of a class that has been a terror to the hills since their settlement. The scenes are exciting, thrilling, and dramatic, and the comedy portion of the drama so nicely interwoven as to form an agreeable sandwich to the more prominent points of the play. (laughs) The scenes are local, the subject local and should enlist a lively interest in our play going community.
1: Nicely done.
4: Mm-hmm. Nicely done.
1: I like the words agree- agreeable
4: sandwich. I know.
0: <laughs> yes. I was
1: looking at it, like interwoven as to form an agreeable sandwich. It's like somehow the juxtaposition there is pretty funny. That's so yeah. great. And why oysters? Oh, there's
0: so oysters, many oysters. They love the oysters. <laughs>
5: Where are they getting them from? What's the closest body the of river, water?
1: River oysters. Oh,
5: the river oysters.
1: I don't know if that's a thing,
3: though. Oh,
1: right. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> they get them they, in pork Bed. They're rich. <laughs> <laughs> they might have them shipped. As long as they keep them alive, they're, they'd be okay. Could you imagine, though? It would take forever. Like, Yeah, I mean, would they be shipping them from San Francisco or from, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. It seems It seems crazy, though. It Remember, does. We
0: had a discussion about oysters. I think
3: we did. Yeah, yeah. It's coming
0: up. <laughs> Scarcity of oysters. They're a big, big thing.
3: Yeah.
0: Did you tell us before that the Langrish
5: guy was a real, real dude?
3: Yeah.
1: Yes, I did. Yeah.
5: Uh, yep. I must have forgotten.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> yep. We've mentioned it a number of times, actually.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Okay. yep. <laughs> yep. Yep, yep. Yeah. Hey. Hey. Oh, no. Unfortunately, I
0: couldn't find a copy of any of the plays that they're talking about. I, I, I would love to read the Road Agents of the Hills, <laughs> but could not find that. Black-Eyed Susan is a real play, as is Fox and Goose, which could be uh, the real name could be Fox versus Goose. It's a farcical comedy. And then The Benicia Boy, which is interesting to me because I live in Benicia. Oh. It's a farce in one act. By Montagu Williams and F.C. Bernard, first performed at the Olympic Theater in London on March 22, 1860, with Horace Wigan as Bob Rattles, a retired prize fighter; F. Robson as Benjamin Bobbin, an agent, and Mrs. Stevens as Mrs. Punchin, the landlady of a public house. B.B. are the initials of Bobbin, a mild and somewhat timid gentleman, who arriving at an inn in Northumberland is to his horror and discomfiture mistaken for the Benicia Boy, an American prize fighter who was a source of great interest at the time of the production of the piece. John C. Heenan was the Benicia Boy. He was an American bare knuckle prize fighter. His uh, most famous bout was when he traveled to England to fight the British champion Tom Sayers. The bout, generally seen as boxing's first world championship, ended in chaos when spectators broke into the ring and the police intervened. The referee finally called the draw. Wow! I found a very amusing, um, like a illustration of uh, the Benicia boy. It says "Yankee Doodle" on his muscle, and in the background there's a, an English person going, uh, "It's like, oh my heavens." <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'll pepper your sausage. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I just um, went to you know oysters to Deadwood and Oyster Bay. There's still a restaurant called Oyster Bay in oh, wow. Deadwood um, on Yelp. It's got two stars. But um, <laughs> there's also the historic Fairmont Hotel Oyster Bay Bar and Casino, which I don't know if that's the same thing because that one's got. Three point six stars. So obviously the oysters are not very fresh. <laughs> well, somebody, somebody on the uh, Yelp thing. I, I'm, I didn't go to it, but just in the, the little blurb, it says oysters and Deadwood. Yeah, right.
0: Yeah, <laughs> mm. so. yeah huh? Yeah, it a, huh? It was a thing. Tri-
1: Trip Tripadvisor <laughs> got uh, a five rating. Oyster mm-hmm. Bay and Deadwood. Mm. So I don't know. Everybody's got their opinion. Oh
0: yeah, the reviews of Oyster Bay are pretty terrible. <laughs> <laughs> That's some dangerous shit if you get bad oysters.
1: Yeah, it is. It is.
5: Reviews would be worse, but all those other people died. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs>
5: oh And
1: let's not get sued by this place.
0: <laughs> Kimberly says Though this restaurant bar is in a pretty cool historic building, and it is claimed is that this is where Wild Bill ate his last meal. I would not waste my time eating here. The seafood was far from fresh. More like frozen fried seafood that is not very recognizable when you bite into it. My fried shrimp and cod was like mush on the inside and the smoked oysters we ordered got me thinking how on earth were these things stored. Service was friendly, but this was just about the worst meal I've ever had. Whoa, that's
1: too bad. No, well. Why would you eat seafood in the middle of Of the country, I don't know. It Um, it doesn't make any sense
0: because you're uh, wanting to retrace Wild Bill's last steps,
1: and luckily we know that that's not what killed him.
0: Well, thank you for reading that, Christiana.
1: Yes, yes.
0: You can hear more from Christiana on Beyond the Wall, a Game of Thrones podcast. This is episode 33, Amateur Night, written by Nick Town and Zach Whedon, directed by Adam Davidson. Original air date, August 6, 2006. Zach Whedon is the brother of famous uh, writer Joss Whedon. Yeah, and I saw
1: his name on the the thing and I made a note. It's like, Zach Whedon? Mm -hmm. Why didn't I know that? Has he been writing on this show and I just didn't notice, or is this the first time he wrote on it?
0: This is his first writing credit for Deadwood. He was David Milch's assistant for the run of the show.
1: Oh, okay. All right. What a job that must have been. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Must have been very Mm. interesting to just shadow him. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I I know Zach Whedon from um, Dr. Horrible, Mm -hmm. you know, mostly, and then he's done a whole bunch of other stuff, but that was the first thing I, I became aware of him on. He was
0: most recently a writer on Halt and Catch Fire. Uh-huh. So it's the next day, and it's morning, and Lila is in bed with Morgan Earp, who is sucking his thumb. Khan <laughs> tells Lila to kick him out of bed, and Wyatt is also roused from bed.
5: I didn't recognize him at first. I was like, what the?
0: Is that, is that Ewan
5: McGregor, Obi-Wan? I thought, it was,
1: I, thought it was, I thought it was Seth sucking his thumb. I was confused. Because <laughs> he's got the same facial hair as Seth.
5: I didn't know who that was. It's funny how when people are on their side, they look completely different sometimes.
0: <laughs> yeah. I wonder why the decision to have him sucking his thumb.
5: Because they've made a fool of him this whole time. Why stop?
0: <laughs> I wonder, though, if this is too much. <laughs> <laughs> Seth tells Martha the combination to the hardware store safe should the men who rode in last night gun him down.
1: Okay, so I didn't know what was happening there. I thought he was just trying to, like, teach her math. I was like... (laughs) (laughs) She's a teacher. Yeah, Yeah, no. No, it was all about, you know, if I don't live through today.
0: A lot of quick scenes uh, at the beginning here, so not a lot to delve into. (laughs) Joni and Moser are in the new schoolhouse. They discuss the arrangement of the desks. There's a tree in the schoolhouse for some strange reason.
1: Yeah, at first I thought... I literally wrote down, boy, they... Because you had said something about them building the schoolhouse really fast or something. I was like, boy, they really did throw that thing together. They just cut down a tree and stuck it right, you know, <laughs> as a beam in the middle of the schoolhouse. <laughs> you didn't even bother to take the branches off or anything. So there is, I didn't really notice, I couldn't really see but there was a treehouse in that tree? Yeah, I couldn't really see it too well either, but apparently there was. So then why were they questioning the purpose of it? If there's a treehouse... You know, obviously kids love tree but so I don't understand. Well, apparently it wasn't built for the school. Some random guy from Norway, apparently. Was it, in, she said Norwegian, right?
0: Yeah, they called him a Norweger.
1: Yeah, apparently from Norway just built this place <laughs> randomly around a tree instead of, instead of, uh, cutting the tree down.
5: Maybe it's a magical learning tree that will enhance the children's learning capabilities.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I I wonder what happens in the upper reaches of the tree, whether the roof kind of... It's kind of weird. <laughs> it, it is.
0: It is very strange. Yeah. I do have an interpretation of what the tree could be, and this comes from Todd Vanderwerf of the AV Club. He says... There's another moment in the episode that suggests just how deeply the series has sketched its little town on the edge of civilization. It occurs when Joni moves the kids from the old schoolhouse, soon to become the theater for the Langrish troupe, to the new one, built by a Norwegian man around a tree that sticks through its entirety. It calls to mind the Norse world tree, Yggdrasil, the world tree that stretches its being into every inch of our world and the next. Milch is perhaps making a point here about the centrality of children to our very existence, to the idea that we place them in such a position of importance because we recognize in them both potential and hope. But the notion of the world tree seems to exemplify Deadwood itself, a smaller thing that stands in for a larger whole, in this case, a tiny town standing in for the whole of American society, or if you will, humanity itself.
1: Do you think he really thought about it that deeply?
0: I don't know. Maybe he just liked the idea of um, something with life in it in this in this building.
1: I find most of the time people that create things don't really think
3: about it that much. They just do it because they like the idea of it. It's
1: There's not some huge philosophy behind it.
0: Yeah, maybe not. Yeah. There was a commentary in this episode by Robin Weigert who plays Calamity Jane, but unfortunately she didn't talk about why the, the tree was in the schoolhouse. Kim Dickens was supposed to be on the commentary with her, but she had jury duty. Whoa. Oh. I wonder
5: if they would even know, though know the reason, like they're not writers,
0: no, but maybe they asked maybe yeah. like why are we having this scene where we talk about the this tree?
1: Mm. Well, the tree was mentioned a lot throughout the uh the episode, so the idea that it might have some greater meaning does have some kind of you
0: know... makes Joni feel bad that that the building is not perfect for the kids. That's how she sees it. She sees the tree as like a flaw in the building. She's like, I'm giving you this schoolhouse, but there's a tree in it. I'm like, I can't even do that right. And, uh, and Martha's like, don't worry about it. It's great. I love it.
2: Uh-huh. Could they cut the tree down now? <gasps> <sighs> Gasp! Not the world tree. After
1: after talking about it for so long, it would feel like wasted time.
5: Would, they, would that tree even live indoors? Like, won't it die from lack of sunlight? I would think. The leaves,
1: you get, you get the, they get the sunlight from the leaves. So if the leaves are sticking out of the roof, they'd be okay.
2: I didn't think Mm -hmm. they were. Wouldn't the roof leak?
1: Yes. Maybe they have a sophisticated drainage system. (laughs) 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 I figured, that's what I was thinking, that they must have, like, cut the branches off at some point so the tree could, I mean, the roof could come to the, the trunk of the tree and then seal around the trunk of the tree and that part of the roof, and then the branches be outside the roof. I don't know.
0: I know. I want to see the roof. I want to see this yeah. building from a distance. Is there a tree coming out of the roof? Yeah. Is this Norwegian, like, a uh, architect, savant? Uh-
1: <laughs> I bet you, there's, like, a slide on the outside. Because the other <laughs> option is that, you know, build the house around the tree. Have the tree inside, and then that tree is going to die from lack of sunlight, but you still have a tree in the middle of your House. It's just a dead tree. I've seen trees
0: inside of restaurants and things.
1: Usually it's just the, the trunk. Maybe they have a skylight.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Go ahead and uh, look up re- restaurants with trees inside.
1: Alright.
0: You'll find a couple different ones.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm depending on Matt to look this up. Skylights yeah. were Me very too. big in Deadwood, I understand.
3: Ooh. Ah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's pretty cool, though. Ooh, that one's crazy. <laughs> it's like a freaking can Like in the canopy. Whoa. Is
5: that even real? It looks like it could be Photoshop. I don't know. Uh,
1: I don't know. Send them that. That's crazy. <laughs> uh, I just put in trees inside buildings. Mm-hmm. And, um, and there's a couple that are kind of smart, because um, um, they basically <laughs> have the tree glassed in around it. Right. And then just with a tree growing out of the roof, and then they've got a hole in the roof.
0: Yeah, that that makes sense. Yeah. Almost like a wildlife window. Yeah. And mm-hmm.
1: then, of course, you've always had, you know, there's been trees in, like, malls and stuff, where you would have, a, you know, s- semi-small trees in the middle of malls with, like, um, skylights and stuff. Yeah, but
0: this does this building, this school, looks like it doesn't have a lot of
3: no.
1: natural light. Uh-uh.
0: Unless the roof, like, opens up. Yeah, it pulls. Yeah. It pulls back.
1: It was very forward-thinking architecture of the time.
0: I want to meet this Norweger. I want to see what the deal is. <laughs>
1: we'll, we'll never get the pleasure.
0: Hurst has no problems with his newly arrived men disrupting things in the camp and perhaps escalating violence. Later, he will tell this new Captain Turner—I didn't catch this guy's name—to seek out Merrick, the big turtle. <laughs> <laughs> Hurst says— Merrick published a letter meant to embarrass me. Go rough him up, but don't implicate me at the start
1: yeah let it let it come slowly. basically wants him to rough him up. It sounds like um uh in many instances, like to keep
3: harassing him
1: yeah, keep yeah. harassing him because the way he said it it sounded like, don't tell him it's from me. Let him figure it out from the various things that I do for, do to him. So I was like, oh, okay, so this is just the beginning.
0: I took it more like assault him and then, and so he he doesn't know why. Why is this happening? Why is this happening? And then as you leave, say, This is from George Hurst.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah. No, I didn't take it that way. I took it as, you know, like keep doing various things to him. And after a while, he'll figure out it's from me. I may have been wrong.
0: Matt, it sounded like you were going to say something and then stopped. No. If I did, I forget it. (laughs) All right.
5: I have bad short-term memory. Don't we
3: all?
0: <laughs> Al asks Dan if they have alternatives to reinforcements from Cheyenne. They need men if they're to fight these Pinkertons. Davy informs Al there is a disturbance in the thoroughfare. It's poor Wu.
3: He's being run down. Why is he so dirty?
0: I don't know.
5: <laughs> did he come from? He yeah, I think from a travel
3: of some.
0: Yeah, sort? I think so. Uh, later on, we learn that he's been stationing his men outside of the camp. So he must have rode in from camp, from like out the outskirts of Deadwood. Ah. Yeah, he traveled into camp.
5: Ruined his good suit.
0: Silas was instructed by Al to fetch Sy. I don't really know why we needed this scene, except that we see that Silas doesn't like Sy very much. But nobody does. Yeah. So did did we ever establish like they were trying to get Silas
5: to pretend to be betraying Al? And it didn't work, did it? So are they just like acknowledging here that like they both they both uh, know that he didn't hasn't
0: actually betrayed Al and he's there on behalf of Al and like that plan fell through, right? Yeah, it does seem like a like a plot thread that didn't go anywhere.
1: Yeah. yeah. Well they kind of called him on it immediately.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think he said something like Seeing you is at the top of my list every day, but every day it seems to just kind of like get away from me.
1: Yeah. It, it seemed to have come in in the middle of that sentence. Like, he didn't actually say what it was that was getting away from him every day, so he had to sort of figure it out. It was weird. Yeah. Hearst
0: introduces Jacqueline Grish to Aunt Lou. Jack compliments Aunt Lou on her cooking. New Turner cuts in the line and stomps on a poor guy's foot. Hearst asks Ugh. Jack, what Al thought of the riders coming into camp the previous night, but Jack asks to remain neutral. Why? I'm calling this guy New Turner because I don't know his name. Why did he call the other man drummer? I Thought that was strange.
5: I don't know. Did he? Is he a drummer for the theater troupe?
1: Um, a drummer also was like a salesman. Oh,
5: okay. It's an
1: old term for a salesman. I don't know.
5: Okay. That was some great foley work on the breaking of the foot. Ouch. Oh,
1: oh, yeah. It was
5: very painful. Yeah. Jeez. This guy looks like, um, he looks like Billy Bob Thornton from Fargo. <laughs> he looks like the same guy.
0: Who? Uh, New Turner?
5: Yeah, kind of looks like him at certain points. He looks like Billy Bob Thornton's
0: character from Fargo.
1: Hmm. He
0: looked familiar, but I couldn't place him.
1: Yeah, I don't know who he is. I don't think I've seen him before.
0: No, I don't think I have either. General Fields deposits Steve at the number 10 because he has business to see to in camp. He leaves coins for the man who cleans Steve in the event that Steve messes himself.
5: I thought this was going to be a permanent thing. Like, he was like, I'm done with him. He's somebody else's problem now.
3: It's just a babysitter.
5: (laughs) But then he has him back again later, so I guess not. (laughs) Yeah.
1: This guy has been leaving and leaving. He's like, I must be going. Yes, I must be going. But he just keeps coming back. Hmm.
0: I don't think he can abandon Steve as much as he dislikes him. Yeah. Because he's just that good of a person.
1: Yep. Yep. He's got a good heart to him. I forget. Has
5: Doc even looked at Steve yet?
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah
5: yes, he looked, okay. He looked at him and then he, he left. Was like, and then he. not was, much to do. And then there's yeah. food thrown at Steve. All I remembered was right. the
1: food
3: thrown at Steve. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, Doc basically said there's nothing he can do. <clears throat> He's just gonna waste away, though. I don't think he can even eat.
3: Doesn't seem like it.
1: Uh, that's kind of sad. They should just sh- shoot him. The general's gonna
5: have to do the oh, the bird bird feeding method, mama bird method.
1: Don't do it. <laughs> no, get hire Steven Dublowski to do
0: that. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna talk about that.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, we'll have to see if Harold included this in his feedback, but th- that may have been the moment. That made Harold not like Stephen Tobolowski in this show.
1: Maybe. Because
0: that was something.
1: Yeah. It it was, but, I mean, it seems like it was in the script, you know? Uh,
0: anyway, we'll get to that. Uh, <laughs> Trixie is waiting outside of the bank to deposit money. She is pleased to see Alma clear-eyed.
3: Yeah, that's that,
1: no, just kind of skipped over. You know, if if uh, Alma is getting herself straight, it's like, poof, we didn't hear anything about that or see anything about it. Considering how much it's been part of the story for a while, it seems like we should have had some kind of insight into what was going on with Alma. Anyways, I'm also pleased to see her clear
3: eyes. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Me too. And I like that Trixie and Alma are, like, friends again. Yeah.
1: How long will that last? <laughs>
0: I don't know, but there's only three more episodes after this one, so mm-hmm. I hope it does last.
3: They, they, <laughs> they seem... have time to.
1: <laughs> I think it'll last <laughs> for three episodes. They seem
5: they seem to like make up completely, like it never even happened. Yeah. Like at the end, she's like, "I trust her completely." <laughs> like after yeah,
1: this, yeah, I feel like I would have been a bit more <laughs> bitter. Yeah, maybe. I think I think she knows. She understands about addiction. Yeah, I know, but it's kind of. I don't know, if someone, I guess if someone keeps doing that to you, though, you're kind of you're going to eventually not, you know, it's going to be hard for you to trust them. Mm. But at the same time, I mean, she did have, it's not like she went back to it willingly on her own. Yeah. It was given to her as medication for her, um, for her abortion, and, uh, you know, she got hooked again, which was understandable.
0: And then Ellsworth moved out. and uh-huh. Said, "You know, I can't be around you if you're gonna be-. like." That was a low moment for her.
1: Yeah, yeah. And
0: kind of, kind of the kick in the pants she needed to sober up.
1: Yeah, between Ellsworth and Trixie, I, th- you know, apparently that was that helped her get over it. But it I been didn't. Nice to see a little bit more of what you know of the process.
0: Well, that was the last episode. We just didn't see it, it was off screen.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as I say, it would have been nice, but. Anyway, they may have. Did they know at this point they only had three seasons? No, it was a surprise in between seasons, right? They were told, "Oh, you just aren't coming back."
0: No, I I think they knew sometime toward the end of the third season.
1: Oh,
3: okay.
0: Yeah, and when they recorded the commentary, they had already known that they had been canceled. the The commentaries on the DVDs and the Blu-rays were recorded after the show wrapped. Yeah, but but while they still thought that those movies were going to happen. Okay. Jack Langriche enters the bank. He wants to open an account and make a $4,000 deposit and get a loan for $4,000 so that his theater troupe does not appear transient. Then he invites Alma to amateur night. This is so random.
1: (laughs) But he's so charming. (laughs) Well, yeah, he's he's making friends. Let's put it that way. He's getting a buy-in from the whole town for his theater troupe. Uh,
0: later on, you're going to see a sign outside of the Ami that says "Funds for the renovation, loaned by the Bank of Deadwood."
5: So she's getting into the sponsoring
1: mm-hmm. business. Mm-hmm. I did see that. I didn't realize that was the Ami.
5: Next, she'll be sponsoring Deadwood's first hockey team. <laughs> what
0: what what are their names?
5: The Deadwood Gold Diggers. Yeah, I guess that fits.
1: (laughs) I don't think it's really hockey country. Sorry, I I know that's really not appreciated in your neck of the woods, but it gets pretty cold
0: in South Dakota. Not that you know, you have to have not that you have to have frozen ponds to have a hockey team.
1: Definitely does. We had
0: we had one in Phoenix (laughs) where it's like one hundred and twenty five degrees today or something.
2: They're going to Vegas.
0: Um, Yeah, and they're expanding to Vegas.
1: I mean, now I'm sure there's, it's hockey. Now I'm it's scary. just all about where the money is. So as yeah, right. has the money. Yeah. They can get their own hockey team. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. They can but, get that, that Swede guy or that Norweger. Yeah.
0: <laughs> to <laughs> to build, to, to build an ex- arena.
3: He's
1: got experience. <laughs> yeah. he's <from> the <laughs> With countries
4: why is there,
0: are. why is there a tree in the middle of this hockey,
3: <laughs> hockey arena?
1: <laughs> this is how I play hockey in my home country. <laughs> We'll make it really challenging. Skate Uh, around the trees.
0: Yes. I'm going to read you something from a book called Old Deadwood Days. This is about the Langriche Theater. In the late summer of 76, Langriche built a theater of his own on Main Street opposite the alley and the stairs that were Gold Street. It was a crude structure of logs and lumber with a canvas top that proved to be of no value at all as a roof. On the night of the opening, The rain fell in torrents on The Banker's Daughter, and the crowd that had come out to see her. Audience and performers alike were drenched, but no one went home and no one was discouraged. A more dependable covering was put on before it rained again. Langriche built a second and better theater. It had been a proud theater, with boxes in which Deadwood ladies in evening gowns gave smart theater parties. Parties that did not impress the rest of the audience at all, according to a story Mr. Bonham told me once. He said that was the only time he ever remembered seeing Jack Langriche floored. Mrs. Adams, wife of the first postmaster, was a large, fine-looking woman, Mr. Bonham said, very stylish and well-dressed. She went to the Langriche Theater a great deal and usually had a box party. Finally, she and some of the other ladies got some opera glasses that they used with a good many airs. The theater was so small that they had no need of them, but they looked stylish. One night, an old prospector, who had been at the theater a few nights before and noticed Mrs. Adams and her friends, came in and sat down in a front seat. He was carrying a board about two feet long by a half a foot wide that had been fixed up with two holes. Into these he had stuck up two beer bottles. When langrish came on, the prospector raised his board with an affected air and looked through the bottles at the stage. For a moment, Jack Langriche, artist and experienced actor that he was, forgot his lines. He had never looked through that end of a beer bottle before. The whole performance halted for a moment until the company could control its merriment. The comedy was all out in front. Mrs. Adams, looking down through her mother-of-pearl glasses, was as much amused as anybody.
1: (laughs) bunch of cards there.
0: Mrs. Adams was at that masquerade ball last episode. She was the one who was dressed as a Spanish lady of high degree. She gets around town. She does. <laughs> Morgan thinks the horrors and her steerers, meaning Con and Leon, could have been more polite. The Pinkertons ride their horses past at full speed and Morgan yells, Assholes! Wyatt reminds them that they're in Deadwood to work a timber lease. Uh, yeah. Uh, these
1: these yes? guys. I these guys? care for these guys.
5: What are, they're just there to make a ruckus specifically?
1: The Pinkertons you mean?
5: Yeah, didn't that? Oh d- he, yeah. told, he told them to go make mischief, basically, huh?
1: Yeah. Well, that's the beginning of what they're doing. Yeah. I find the herbs kind of annoying.
0: Yeah. Well, you'll never have to see them again. So.
1: Yes. <laughs> oh, it, really? They they just left?
0: It, they left. They're gone
1: officially. Oh, leave. Wow. Grief.
0: So uh, random.
1: That was really why? Why
3: put them in? Because in? Anyway. they were there. It doesn't w- matter.
2: Weren't they supposed to come back in season four or something? Probably. <laughs> um i don't think so i had read that somewhere
1: oh maybe did they come back to deadwood twice i thought they only went
2: yeah i was. history
1: i was trying i suddenly realized the end of our last podcast i was like oh wait a minute wasn't Wyatt Earp, um the one who was known for uh cold cocking people um that you know there'd be some kind of troublemaker and and uh he'd walk out into the street and the guy thought they were going to do a gunfight or something. And he just would keep walking towards them and then take the butt of his gun and just uh, hit, you know, hit him in the head and drag him off to jail.
5: I like Seth's meth- method better.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Taking them by the ear.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I the ears. Ears. Uh, yeah. But, but yeah, I, it totally occurred to me and I don't remember what made me think of it last episode, but it was like, Oh, that's right. Wyatt Earp was known for, for just cold cocking people. Like, you know, they wouldn't be expecting it. They would think something else was going, and instead he would just, like, walk over quickly to him and take the butt of his gun and just, you know, just cold cock him. And uh, I'm pretty sure that was Wyatt Earp.
0: A lot of people really dislike the Earps.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, I mean, not necessarily personally, but in the context of Deadwood, the show, they don't like them at all.
1: I, As I recall, a lot of people in real life didn't like the Earps very much either.
0: But.
1: <laughs> They what? are a distraction. Here? Yeah.
0: And I would say superfluous.
1: Superfluous,
0: definitely. I would say that if I could pronounce it.
1: You you Su- managed.
0: Okay, superfluous. Yeah. <laughs> they're superfluous, guys.
1: <laughs> they're not really super anything, but um yeah, no, it's uh yeah, they're just I find them just distracting. I forgot um, who they, I forgot who they were actually. There's
5: a lot of distracting stuff right now. I I kind of, I just, I want the series to just rein itself in and focus back on, you know, the things that the people it used to focus on, yeah.
1: Yeah, I forgot that they were the herbs at first. When they drove by these two random, you know, nice looking guys and stuff, and it's like, sorry, I was like, And then he said, Morgan, I was like, oh, right, right, the Earps. Totally forgot about them.
0: I'm going to read this criticism from Alan Sepinwall at HitFix.com. He says, this fictionalized version of the Earps is one of those instances of Milch going into story without a roadmap for getting out. I suppose you could read the Earps' abrupt departure as another example of how classical Western heroes have no place in the New World Wyatt and Morgan spend so much of Leviathan Smiles alluding to Wyatt's great mysterious plan that it feels like a cheat to have them slink off an episode later with no explanation of what they hope to accomplish. And if it really was just to work that timber lease, then why bother with all the sinister whispering? In some ways, it's the equivalent of those episodes of NYPD Blue or any other cop show, really, where big shots arrive from the FBI or some other outside agency and are shown to be clowns who are just getting in the way of our heroes. Mm. Yeah, it kind of feels like that.
1: I don't know, it, it, but he does have a very good point about the the whispering and everything. Could it have been that uh, he found that Milch found out that he wasn't going to uh, have another season, and and he just ejected them because he wanted to get back to whatever it was you know he was doing or something? I don't know.
0: It's strange. It is yeah. really strange that they show up one episode and then they leave the next the next episode like. <laughs> We we didn't need to we didn't need need them. No.
1: You know? No, we really didn't.
0: It was screen time that we could have had with characters we already knew and liked Yeah, we could've I mean...
1: heard more about Alma's <laughs> <laughs> Alma's recovery.
0: Yeah, but we already had her recovery storyline in season yeah. one.
1: Yeah, this is true. So was it as difficult this time? Anyway.
0: Anyway. Johnny gets the general drift of Wu's drawing, which Dan seriously doubts. Upstairs, Silas tells Al it feels like Sy si is ignorant of the guns. Come to camp, then from the balcony, Al spots Commissioner Hugo Jari of Yankton riding in the camp. Were you all excited to see Stephen Tobolowski again? No,
1: not really. <laughs> I mean, I was unexcited. I was just like, oh, Stephen Tobolowski. I was just
5: like, no, yeah. stop. Get less characters, not
0: more characters. <laughs> <laughs> I think he also uh ducks out out of this after this episode. Okay. I don't know if he comes back. Um this is important though because it feeds into the Hearst storyline that he's gonna be buying elections.
1: Yeah, I mean it he's it sets up the fact that just how powerful Hearst it reminds you. And I mean we've been hearing about how powerful this guy is all along, but this tells us exactly how powerful he is and why he's so powerful. And that he's got the governor in his pocket, and and the tr- and basically the troops that are um, the government troops he's got in his pocket as well. Besides these Pinkertons, he got he's got uh, access to the military. Christ!
0: As the Erps ride past the Pinkertons, one of the agents says to Morgan, "Wipe your ass, Hiram." It feels strange at first, but the shit protects against blisters. In Hebrew, Hiram means "my brother is exalted." So, what I think he's saying is that Morgan is gay for his brother. And ass fucking might seem, seem strange, but the shit will act like padding.
3: Okay, I just thought he was uh, calling him that, a Jew.
0: <laughs> that's my interpretation of it. Could be. Morgan taunts the Pinkertons back. Did New Turner get him hooked on cocksucking? Is his asshole already too loose? Yeah, it's very classy your stuff. Your
1: mother. Your mother. <laughs> Your mother's sofa. <laughs> uh, I could have done without the whole first half of this episode. <laughs>
3: mm-hmm.
1: uh, well, we'll get into how we feel about this. Later. <laughs> okay.
0: Yeah, I like the last half of it so much, though.
1: Yes. Yeah. The the last half's good, but first half, ugh. yeah, so oh,
0: boring. Well, there's a lot with with the herbs. That's just uh, yeah. I mean, I kind of like that Wyatt has this brother he has to constantly dial back. That's an interesting dynamic, I guess. Mm. But whatever. Uh, At the hotel, the doctor sees to the unfortunate man's foot. He asks for a wheelbarrow. Richardson, wheelbarrow. (laughs) Hugo enters and demands a room away from the hole in the wall. It's weird that
5: the uh, doctor wants a wheelbarrow. when we established, I think in the previous episode, that wheelchairs are a thing in this town.
1: <laughs> yeah, but it's not much of a wheelchair. <laughs> Wheelbarrows are easier, maybe. Yeah, and more it's easier and to come and by. More, yeah, exactly, easier to come by. Yeah. There's mm. more of them. Yes,
0: they could have a wheelbarrow race. The doc and the guy with the broken foot, and Fields and Steve. Yeah, Joni explains to Martha that a norweger built the new schooler on a tree because he wanted to collect sap from it. The sap would taste awful, but probably smell nice in a lamp. Martha takes this news in stride, and Martha asks Joni if she might walk with her and the children. At first, Joni declines, but then she says, "Sure."
3: Martha's so nice here.
0: She she's a real doll.
3: Yeah, she's mm-hmm. nice in general. She
0: was... is this? This is
5: kind of new, though. It's like she... when she first arrived, she wasn't. She was kind of stern, a stern
3: woman. Wasn't yeah,
1: she? but I mean, given the circumstances, I guess. Yeah. But she's always like she's always really welcoming with everybody. <laughs> I have never really seen her like even with Alma and she should that could have ended up in a cat fight (laughs) (laughs) well Alma did bow out gracefully yeah but I mean they they've always been civil like she's always been civil and like pretty Mm -hmm. nice with everybody yes absolutely
3: she was very
0: welcoming to Jane Uh getting her to come into the schoolhouse to give a talk about Custer Mm
1: -hmm. he was a
0: cunt the end (laughs)
1: <laughs> I think everybody. I think everybody kind of needs a person like that in their life, though. So especially in this town, you know, it's nice to have someone that accepts you for who you are. And, you know, that's what they need. Mm-hmm. Yes, indeed. Mm-hmm.
0: There is a queue at the bank. Fields is explaining to Alma that Steve cannot make good on the loan as he is incapacitated. He hopes this does not reflect negatively on Hostetler. Alma doesn't see why it would. Neither do I. <laughs>
1: I think because he's just so used to anything involving, you know, black folks that, you know, everything gets twisted around and it's their fault. You know, there's scapegoats for everybody, so I think he's just, you know, overly sensitive to it and ready for it to happen. Maybe overly is a bad word, but... I think Alma's like the uh, psychiatric booth in uh, Peanuts. (laughs) 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 <laughs> She's like, you know,
3: like everybody's just coming up to her for complaining.
5: Pay her dime. Yeah. Or twenty five cents, was it?
1: I can't remember. Yeah. It's, um Lucy, Lucy was nickel, I think.
5: Oh, yeah. Nickel. Yeah. That's a bargain.
1: That's a bargain. Well, it, was, <laughs> it was never very good advice usually. <laughs> it was it was the fifties and sixties, you know? Yeah. <laughs>
0: So now that Trixie has quit, she's working the teller window by herself.
1: Yeah, apparently.
5: So where's did Trixie go back to working for Saul, or do we not know? Yeah, where she is it right sounded
1: now? she mentioned.
5: Yeah, she called yeah. Him her boss.
1: But yep.
5: I don't think we saw her doing any work yet.
1: No, we didn't. See, well, they they were only in the hardware store for a couple seconds there with. I could probably. The Derringer. Be- I could probably watch a whole episode of Trixie just because I feel like she would be getting angry so often that it would be very entertaining.
5: A day in the life of Trixie. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. yeah.
5: If they had enough episodes, I'd love to see a day in the life of several characters.
3: Yeah. Like just uh-huh. one
5: one episode yeah. to, go to an entire character character's day.
1: Or they could have like little vignettes. Yeah. Uh-huh.
5: Could break one episode up into yeah. uh, like five or six ten-minute sections.
1: Yeah, like that'd be
3: fun. Solely focus
5: on one person. <laughs>
3: yeah.
5: Then then go back to the beginning of the day and yeah. see what
3: the next person
5: will intersect. <laughs> hey, I'm a good writer, guys. So let's hire me for season.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <a> departure episode. <laughs> New Turner insults Merrick in his office, then slashes his face. Blaznov freezes in shock and disbelief. And as New Turner leaves, Blazanoff runs over saying, Mr. Merrick, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry. I I expected Blazanoff
5: to do some, like, crazy ninja kung fu action for some reason. (laughs) I just expected him to beat this guy's ass, but he didn't. (laughs) So I was disappointed in him.
1: I was expecting this kind of stuff to happen, like, everywhere all over town. Like, while, as soon as Alma went into the bank, I was expecting some of the... Pinkerton guys to show up in the bank and do something, you know I mean, I guess I feel like this whole episode was setting us up for to let us know what, how everything was set in the town for what happens next episode like, was, okay was, yeah, Alma was, has a guard that stands in the bank which has got one guy with a rifle um Al doesn't have anybody right at the moment when the thing ends in the bar with him. And, you know, it's just who's where and, and what kind of protection have they got? It, I almost felt like that was one, one of the things we were doing through all of this whole episode. Yeah, I was just going to agree with you. Yeah, there was like an ominous, a, a, a very ominous tone yeah. in the episode. Yeah. I kept waiting for more of the kind of stuff that happened in the newspaper office to happen like and Mm -hmm. to happen to the guy with the foot to happen all over town you know
2: yeah i thought that something was going to happen with al right at the end there when he was singing oh
1: yeah i was well we haven't gotten there yet but yeah
2: but
0: what did you think was going to happen Someone's going to come in and shiv. do something. Do something. Yeah. Yep. Shit? Just shit in, <laughs> in the shiv. middle of the gem?
1: Shiv. No. Shiv. What? Not shit. Shiv? Shiv. Like oh, shiv. Okay. It would be oh, really okay. difficult for that. No, no they they actually. Get him down on the floor and then they would have pooped on his face. Oh god. <laughs> <laughs> actually, Al, take that. <clears throat> actually, I have a note in my when um just before they went to Al at the gem. They had that shot through the window of Seth, and in the reflection in the window, I thought I saw people with torches going by. Which I could very well have because there was a show going on and they would have need to lit it and all that. So I really thought that, that, uh, people were going to torch the gem. I thought he okay. was going to be attacked by guys with torches. They were going to, they were going to burn the place down.
0: While he was alone and everyone was distracted,
1: exactly. They do hmm. that so often, though, they build tension, and you're waiting for it, and it doesn't really happen in the way you expected. So. Yeah, I mean, especially as I say, because it looked like you could see as as he was sitting there, it looked like guys with torches walked in, the reflection in the glass. You could see guys with torches walking by, and I thought, okay, so they're headed. And then they cut to the gem, and I like it's he- They're headed for the gem. It'd be a real shame. And then he's singing to the, to the taxidermy and everything. And there's these great big shots of the place empty and, and how it's looking really nice for some reason in that light and empty. Oh, it looked beautiful. Yeah, exactly. And I'm like, okay, it's going to be a real shame for this to go up in flames. And I started thinking about, okay, does he have all his money like in some place where is it going to like, is it? the cash going to get burned up with the place? Is he going to be destitute? Is it? I mean, I had, because it went on for so long, I had, like, all kinds of scenarios in my head, and thinking about what Al's gonna do next, and everything else. <laughs> yeah.
0: Nope, Nope. we just, just get Ian McShane
1: singing. Yeah, exactly! <laughs> I, was exactly. Just waiting. I was just basically waiting to see what they would do. I didn't even come up with a scenario, I was just like, I'm just gonna, yeah, I'm just curious as to what they'll do with this, all this build-up. Yeah. And all I can think of is, okay, it's all coming next episode, which made me go back to, I won't take the quote, but, uh, and I don't have it exact, but the title of the episode, Amateur Night, um, at one point Joni says that LaGriche called it a prelude. I'm like, okay, so that's where the, that's the significance of the title. This whole episode is a prelude to to next episode. You better have all your theories ready for predictions, Phil.
3: Hmm. so.
1: I think I just gave them all.
5: <laughs> Very vague.
3: <laughs>
1: yeah, that means you can win, because you keep it vague.
0: <laughs> Upstairs in Al's office, Johnny has finally deciphered Wu's message. Wu brought his men for Hurst, but since Hurst and Al are on the outs... Woo has them stashed outside of Custer City. Jenny is very pleased with himself for figuring this out, and he gets a slap <laughs> from Al for his trouble.
3: So, <laughs> so great, though. So great.
0: <laughs> I love Johnny.
3: Aww. How dare a Hooplehead figure out the map before Al. <laughs> <laughs> There's
0: also a perfect uh, animated gif opportunity here of Al paddling a canoe.
1: Yes. yes. <laughs> Uh, this episode is full of uh, animated GIF opportunities. Not a lot of quotes, though.
0: I've got some quotes.
1: Some. Yeah.
0: On the commentary, Robin Weigert mentioned that both Kim Dickens and Sean Bridgers, who plays Johnny, are going to appear together in the upcoming HBO series, 12 Miles of Bad Road. Oh. This is a show uh, that about a Texas matriarch played by Lily Tomlin who must reconcile her booming real estate business and immense wealth with the day-to-day struggles of her dysfunctional family life. Six episodes were filmed. Not a single one was ever aired.
3: Oh, wow. I like The
0: episodes... I, I like her, too. Yeah. The uh, episodes were sent to critics, but they were not very well received, and I guess that was one of the reasons why HBO canceled it?
1: Did they sell the six episodes to Netflix or something? I mean, come on. No, no.
0: It's you know? it's never been shown. It's never been put on home video or anything. It's just gone. Seems wasteful. Yeah, because it was from what I read, it was like twenty five million dollars they spent. They had originally ordered ten, but then there was the writer's strike. Oh, so they could only film six, and it they apparently it was so broad the comedy was so broad that i think the network just felt like it wasn't prestigious enough huh. for the for their network huh. so yeah it was never aired though they did show clips of it um i remember distinctly like promos for it wow like after the sopranos they showed of uh this is what's coming up on hbo and they they showed footage of it that this is a new show coming out and just never never aired wow Another HBO pilot that featured a Deadwood actor, in this case W. Earl Brown, was 1% about an Arizona motorcycle club that also never aired.
1: Hmm.
0: Was this a be- very wealthy
1: motorcycle club? <laughs>
5: it's gonna, yeah. Was this before or after Sons of Anarchy?
0: I want to say it was like around the same time. Hmm. It's just funny listening to the commentary but she's like, this is a show that's coming up and this is happening and the Deadwood movies are happening and then like nah, da, 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 this happens.
1: Yeah. It's not unusual. I mean it's amazing when something does get made.
0: Mm-hmm. Um let's see here. At Utter's Freight and Postal Delivery Service, Jack compliments Joni on her tits. <laughs>
1: yeah was just, this was like my least favorite moment of jack's i was like this that's really not classy yeah. <laughs> but he knows who he's talking to i know but it was like really uncomfortable
0: <laughs> yeah my notes i just went why
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> why would you say that yeah it's really not nice
0: no it was pretty gross actually
1: <laughs> yeah but then he charmed his way out of it though
0: he did but you're right this was his least charming yeah Self, right here. I,
1: mean, I did not get the feeling that she was upset about it. I don't think she liked it.
0: She no, I don't think a, she did either.
1: She made a joke about it because she kind of had to. She was like, "Ha ha ha," you know. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Yes. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. But yeah, what was she gonna do? Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> that would be Jane, but that's not but... Joanie. <laughs> wouldn't do that. No, that's not Joanie.
0: But why would you even say that to a person? <laughs>
1: I don't know, people say a lot of crazy things. They do. <laughs> yeah, they I do. guess so. Mm. People say all sorts of bizarre stuff.
0: Maybe this is, like, Jacqueline Grish, he's always so charming, he always says the right thing, except when he doesn't.
1: Yeah, it's probably yeah. once in a while, like, he accidentally says, like,
0: too the much. The wrong thing.
1: Yeah. yeah. He misjudges his audience. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Everybody yeah.
1: misjudges occasionally. That's right. true.
0: Jack is making the rounds in camp, asking folks to perform at amateur night. He extends an invitation to Joni, then bids adieu. Joni was hoping to find the whereabouts of the Norweger who built the schoolhouse around the
1: tree. It felt like she had another purpose, though, asking for that. Like, it felt like. Because she was so kind of frantic looking for Jane, and she kept asking about him, but I felt like she was really looking for Jane. Huh.
0: I think she's nervous about the kids going to the school and now there's a tree in the school. It's like, she's afraid to disappoint them because she sold her building to the theater company. So it's like, I hope this works out Mm. because in her life, nothing goes right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But she has, she has good. I feel like, I feel like things are probably looking up. I'm hoping they're looking up for her. She has good friends now, you know, like people that, Treat her well, you know. She's gotten away from Sye, sort of. <laughs> sort of, yeah. yeah. I mean, considering me. she, she's the most away from him she's ever been. True. Yeah. True.
0: Charlie says that fucking Jane ought to break out her bullwhip at amateur night. Robin Weigert <laughs> says she thought that she would have to perform feats with her bullwhip, so she practiced ahead of nice. filming. But David Milch didn't want to use her, so... Oh, well. She, did, she didn't get to. Now she can be Catwoman, though.
1: That would have been amazing, <laughs> I would have loved to see that. Yeah? Yeah. But we got something even better during amateur night anyways, so... Gee, <laughs> <laughs> hey, I wonder what you could be talking about. <laughs> Yeah, when I saw that, I thought, oh, somebody's gonna be in pig heaven on this I one." Was she, I was squeaking.
0: She's talking
5: about the guy with the glass eye. I
1: was oh, okay. <laughs> oh, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> Gee, and here I thought she was talking about someone else entirely. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, we'll get there, but my favorite lady was the gospel lady. Oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> well, we'll, get, we'll get to her in a sec. Um, <laughs> What's that? <laughs> the one that got accosted. Yes. <laughs> Hugo complains to Silas that Washington is after Yankton for siphoning the money that is supposed to be distributed to the native population. Hugo confirms at least ninety cents of every dollar went to line the pockets of the Yankton officials.
1: Over ninety cents.
0: Over ninety cents.
1: Yep. A little bit of historical reality there.
0: Yeah. Pretty shitty. Yep. Merrick is confused as to why he was assaulted. Al asks, hmm, publish any letters lately? Bastard. Blazanoff is sorry, so sorry he didn't intervene, and he wants to punch Hurst. <laughs> he shows Al the cocksucker's telegram. As the doc leaves, Al instructs him to check on that Sautina. She's smelly.
5: <laughs> I like that Blazanov is all in on Team Al, and he's going through, uh... Hurst's male. <laughs> I know, <laughs> like, it's super, so yeah. i am blessed Me too. <laughs> yep. <laughs> he's,
0: he's pretty cool. Yeah.
1: Yep. It's been a big character arc for such a minor character. I know. I like that. Mm.
0: Meanwhile, Hurst is delighted to hear that Merrick curled up like a baby. <laughs> oh. it took it better than I thought he would. Who, Merrick? Yeah, the beating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but mm, it's so mean picking on... People who yeah. are gentle, like yeah. have no aggression at all. Like they, yeah. they can't even think to defend themselves or or want to defend themselves because they're not aggressive. Like mm-hmm. it's such easy pickings. Like you're gross if you do that. Yeah. Anyway,
1: and yet that is it's one more thing about Hearst that uh, he picks on somebody like that and takes that as a. A sign of weakness and a sign of, aha, he deserved it because he's, you know, he didn't fight, even think to fight back, which is, as you say, gross.
0: Mm -hmm. The Earps have ridden back in the camp with their timber. Such as it is.
1: (laughs) That was very fast. They
0: just left like two hours ago at the most. (laughs) So did somebody swindle them or something?
5: Like somebody sell them a bad piece of land or...
1: Didn't they win it in a card game or something?
0: Hmm. Oh.
1: But it does seem like, I mean, it's not much there.
0: The real whiter made a lot of money bringing in Firewood. He was
1: there for a while, right?
0: Yeah, all winter.
1: Yeah. Of course, this doesn't even seem like winter. I don't know what time of year it is, but...
0: I I think this is summer.
1: Yeah, and basically they had twigs. Looks like they had, had taken the branches off a bunch of little tiny trees.
0: Yeah. Well, that timber lease will be worth something, uh, like, in a hundred (laughs) years.
1: Yeah, really. Well, not if they cut down all the little tiny trees.
0: Right, right, right. (laughs) Just gotta be patient. Right. The Pinkerton agitator asks Morgan about his blisters. Morgan shoots him. New Turner tries to imply that Seth removed the Pinkerton's gun from its holster so that it wasn't a fair draw that Wyatt claims it was. Seth takes New Turner by the ear for interfering with a peace officer.
5: Loved it. What was Wyatt telling the truth though? I didn't notice if that guy
2: drew his gun.
1: No, the no. guy did draw his gun. Wyatt mm. Wyatt was the one that uh, had set up the the gun. Yeah,
2: he quickly walked over and pulled it out and threw it on the ground.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah.
0: Blazhenoff delivers the telegram and declines the gratuity. Change in policy. <laughs>
2: <laughs> is that is that his revenge.
0: Yes, <laughs> <laughs> that's his fuck you to George Hurst.
2: You think Hurst was really insulted by that? <laughs> I don't think so. He just, he just seemed puzzled.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah he he doesn't notice underlings, you know, and that's one of his blind spots. You know, there's that old saying of, you know, I know people in high places, and then someone else will say, I know some, I know people in low places. Um, sometimes those people in low places can do you an awful lot of damage. Get on the wrong side.
0: Aunt Lou sends Richardson to the smokehouse with a ham to cure for three weeks. Richardson makes notches to mark the weeks.
5: This was delightful. I love how yeah. proud Richardson is. He's like, Yeah, I'm a good cook now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and I like Aunt Lou saying, All right, well, I won't ask next time. I'll just assume that you know what to do. I am going to look at the, for the notches, though.
1: <laughs> I'm going to remind you about the notches, yeah.
0: Yeah. I really like their uh, mm-hmm. little friendship here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But this is when George Hearst delivers the news to Aunt Lou that Odell was found dead on the road to Rapid City with letters on his person and a Bible inscribed with his name. Hearst tries to comfort Aunt Lou, but she screams and pushes him out of the way.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm shocked by this. Were you? I just wasn't expecting Odell to die.
3: They
5: kind of telegraphed it, I think, didn't they? Is that. Did they. Are they implying throughout the episode that George had him killed?
0: Well, what do you guys think?
5: I'm thinking know. George had him killed, but I have no idea why <laughs> it,
1: yeah, I mean it seems it seems like everything they've been pointing to is that he would have him killed that odell i mean not odell um uh, um uh, uh, Aunt Lou is pretty positive that he had him killed yeah um she knows how he he operates exactly that she'd seen this coming from the moment that he um, they di- started trying to do business with Hearst. With yeah. And tried to warn him. Um, but I don't know why he had him killed. That I can't figure out. General principles?
0: Because he overstepped?
5: Didn't want... He wants all Aunt Lou's attention on him? I don't know.
1: Because <laughs> he, he thought he was cheating him in some way, and you can't... We're trying to cheat him, and you can't allow that to happen? on general principle, I don't know.
0: Now he knows where the gold find is in Liberia. He doesn't need Odell. Now no money is going to go to that uh, church of Odell's. It's just going to go to his pockets.
1: Mm. It seems like, it, you know, I mean, Odell had a good point, that if that was the case, he couldn't he have just waited until after they got to Liberia and make sure, you know, I don't know. It-
0: it's strange how he wants to comfort Aunt Lou. Mm. I wonder if he had Odell killed so that she would
1: Falling cry and then he could
0: comfort her. Yeah, almost like...
1: Yeah, maybe. Sen- s-
0: ...sensed her going away from him and he and he thought that tragedy would make her come back toward him?
1: <laughs> maybe. That's, I mean, he did... Sick. He sick. It def- is pretty sick. Oh, yeah. Well, he's definitely... This character's a very sick yeah. being. That could be... Um I mean, he definitely was not happy with her having any attention. Yeah, attention to anybody but him.
0: I will say that there's a lot of discussion amongst the Deadwood fans on whether or not Hearst did kill Odell, if he had it arranged. There's no firm answer, but there's a lot to suggest that he did.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And there's just a lot of kind of confusion and bewilderment about the motive.
1: Uh huh which kind of is reflected right here.
0: Yeah. <laughs> there are no thoughts uh that you guys are having about the show at this point that's not uh held by people online and who've also watched the show.
1: Mm. So we are not unique and creative. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Damn. Oh. It's a- it's amateur night. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: Mose finds a drunk Jane. He wants her help escorting the kids to the schoolhouse.
1: I love, I love that he yells at her. <laughs>
0: <clears throat> She's just passed out in a pile of bottles in the smokehouse. Richardson comforts a sobbing Aunt Lou. This was
3: sweet, but it was also yeah. really
1: weird. <laughs> I don't know why. It just struck struck me as weird. Yeah, it didn't strike me as weird at all. But it was no. just, it was just really like, just it was just like an odd.
0: It was an odd beat placed between yeah. a couple of these scenes.
1: Yeah, it was. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that that's true. There were a lot of kinda odd beats I found, but And uh, it's one of those things where you see someone um mourning their loss and it just kinda stayed on that mourning a little too long. So it started to be a little awkward <laughs>
3: for me, I guess. It just kinda it just kinda like stuck on and it kinda made
1: me laugh. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why, but it just did. You sicko. I know.
0: (laughs) I really love these two together.
1: I know, they're so great.
0: New Turner is in a cell. Seth takes statements from the Erps and advises them, since their timber release ain't worth fuck all, best to move on. And then they do, which wasn't super apparent.
1: Yeah, I thought they were going to be coming back or something.
0: Um, Nope, they they ride out. (laughs) You see them later on their horses, and they're going. Bye-bye. (laughs)
3: <laughs> yeah. Bye-bye.
0: Thanks for stopping by. Bye-bye. Yeah. Later, Johnny interrupts and Seth tells Johnny to deliver a message to Al. Don't worry, my temper's not running away with me. I've got this. I, really, yeah. I thought that was really funny.
1: Yeah, I did too.
5: Yeah, I think we've seen several times where uh, Al calls on Seth to admonish him. Yes. He's like, I know what he's gonna say. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and through that, through that enough times.
3: Yep. Okay,
0: now the episode starts to go good. Yay! <laughs> we got uh, Bell Lagarde walking down the thoroughfare ringing a bell and carrying a sign. Amateur night in Deadwood. The Langriche theatrical company offers a proud prelude to the opening of the Deadwood Theater and a chance to show your skills and hidden talents. And then the cutest thing, the children are escorted from the Chazamie to their new schoolhouse.
1: <laughs>
5: is <laughs> this just a ceremonial uh, thing, or is it, like, actually needed because it's dangerous? Or?
1: Yeah, I think it's needed because it's dangerous. Well, it's kind of like when you see those little daycare kids and they're all, like, <laughs> on a leash or whatever. Yeah. They're all connected to well, by surely. a rope. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're walking down Main Street, and, uh, yeah, I was waiting for the Pinkertons to, you know, ride right through them and just... <laughs> Mow those kids <laughs> down! <laughs> Mow those kids down!
0: Oh my god, Rated Carol.
1: <laughs> hey! <laughs> They were the ones that set all this, you know, ominous stuff up. Not me. They should have Grand Theft Auto, Deadwood.
0: (laughs) Except there are no kids in Grand Theft Auto, which is very strange. Yeah. They've already been wiped out previously. (laughs) Jane leans on Joni for support. Seth joins Martha. Sophia waves at Alma, who waves back. Hearst just glares from the balcony. He just doesn't understand why this is happening and who these little people are. <laughs>
5: <laughs> what are these
0: creatures?
1: <laughs> Does he say? have kids of his own though? I think so. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. Yeah, but he wouldn't have taken care of any True. Um, my favorite part was the little kid that was like, I don't want to hold her hand, ew. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> then you can link arms. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that would really go over now.
0: That little girl
5: was patient zero for cooties.
0: (laughs) Earlier in the podcast, I referenced this photograph that I'm going to post in our Skype right now. I'll I'll have to include it in my show notes as well. This is Sophia, and this look she has on her face, this sour look, is like, I don't want to be here. I don't want to touch this fool.
5: (laughs) 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 Maybe he's the one who has cooties. I think the sun's probably just in her eyes. <laughs> yeah.
1: That is quite the outfit. Look at that cape. Is that a cape? What is that? Mm. Like a pallet? Poly- what is that? Like a shoulder thing? It looks thing. like a
5: Game of Thrones outfit.
1: Yeah, it does.
5: It's. I think it looks hideous.
3: It's pretty hideous, <laughs> and he he just looks like a little newsy kid. <laughs> <laughs> yes. X3, <laughs>
5: X3! He looks like a dullard that she's leading,
0: leading along. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Come with me, slackjad yokel.
3: <laughs>
0: I kinda like his jacket. The yeah. buttons seem weirdly placed though. Like one's up way too high. It's like on his collar almost.
1: Well the one on his collar is to like you would button it close so that you know the wind and stuff wouldn't get in.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But uh but the bottom one is kinda high.
0: Yeah, there's there there needs to be another one too, closer to and- the bottom. And her dress is, like, just this brown-colored, like, Yeah,
1: that that dress is pretty awful.
0: It's terrible. Um, Maybe
1: that's what the face is about.
0: I like um, Alma interacting with Seth here. Just the kind of smile that they give each other. Mm Mm-hmm. It's sort of like Alma just, she's not holding on to their relationship. She's not bitter at all that he's going to go be with his wife. It's sort of... Yeah, it's nice. She's in a happy place. She's in a really good place. Yes, When her daughter waves at her when she waves mm-hmm. back. It's really sweet. Yeah.
1: See, that's the time the Pinkertons come through. Oh my god. Not, and then and then <laughs> the kid is gone. Just now mad. she and Martha have something to bond over because both of them have lost their kids. To horses. It's, it's very sad.
2: Did anyone else think that would happen? Uh. <laughs>
0: More kids being trampled?
2: Yeah. <laughs> that that didn't cross my mind.
1: No, I didn't know what was going to happen, but I was waiting for something bad to happen. All the way through this episode, I was waiting for bad things to happen, and basically nothing really happened.
2: They wouldn't target the children, though, would they?
1: Well, they have before.
0: The horse would. <laughs> yeah. The horse is in the background going, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, it's like Christmas. <laughs>
1: Uh, it's like a Terminator horse. It's just like I, zooming yeah. into the children no. as a
3: target. What I wanted <laughs> to see,
5: what I wanted to see, was Seth like noticed that everybody was going, and then he'd be like, "Oh, I have to go over there." I told Martha I'd walk with her, and then he he pleasantly goes over and smiles at her and smiles at the children, and then he pulls out a, a pan flute and he starts prancing <laughs> and fluting, and he leads all the children out
3: <laughs> out of the city. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, what happens is the Pinkertons attack the kids, but it's just like uh, graduation day on Buffy, where the kids all have weapons.
3: <laughs> they all take out crossbows
0: <laughs> and swords. That works.
3: That works.
1: <laughs> and,
5: <then, laughs> and then Hearst turns into a giant snake. <laughs>
0: no, no, no. Leviathan. Oh,
1: no. Oh. Now we're into Supernatural. I really wish that this show would all of a sudden turn into like
3: some crazy <laughs> supernatural, sci-fi kind of craziness. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> and now it's night. Our old friend Soapy is yelling, Soap! Soap with yeah. the prize inside!
1: I was like, oh, Soapy's back. <laughs> and then Ellsworth has, is just skulking around and, and doesn't even have a line.
0: Yeah, that's weird, isn't it?
1: Yeah. Did you guys find that the guy that was guarding the bank looked a lot like Ellsworth? Huh. Mm. I thought so.
5: I know I know, I did when I first saw him, yeah.
1: It was weird. That is all. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thank you. <laughs> there was much weirdness in this episode. Yeah, yeah.
0: The Langrish Theatrical Company welcomes the camp. The troupe will be the audience. The camp denizens will be the players. And that for- is a
1: ridiculous vest that Langriche is wearing, by the way. Just saying. Well, kind of ridiculous outfit that he's wearing, but... It- it's, just, it's like a really tight vest. It's noticeable. Yes. It's going to stand out in a crowd. <laughs>
0: When I watch this scene, all I can see is the background of Claudia and the Countess doing these, like, overly exaggerated bowing and, like, <laughs> flourishes with their hands. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Yes. Um, for a miscellaneous prediction, I wanted you to predict the number of talents demonstrated on amateur night. So we've got five right away. We have a pair of dueling gymnasts leapfrogging in front of the stage. Is that a, is that yes. a talent? uh gymnastics yes
1: what they're doing is that gymnastics is a whole nother question
0: Jack Langree said that it was
1: yes he did <laughs> he was very generous
0: <laughs> uh-huh. to
1: all of the participants yes <laughs> to say the least
0: a man balances a pick on his chin Wonderful, fantastic! A very prim lady sings "Jesus Loves Me" before being approached by a drunk.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and she did it in a in a term in a way that I was really surprised to hear a white woman from the 1870s sing it.
0: I know, right? It's it's bana- yeah, it's bananas.
1: <laughs> I, I was just like, huh, what?
0: Is- and, and before she what? sings, they they show her in the crowd putting her hand up, saying, me, me, uh, pick me, but also looking kind of like apprehensive, like, uh, I want to do it. Uh, yeah, right. right. <laughs> this lady is a kook. Um, <laughs> a man pays another man to cry on cue. Yes. Yeah.
3: For his father. Yes. Yes.
0: That guy uh, who pays the, the crier, we first saw him in the season one finale. He's the one who was at the, the rally for General Crook uh, like, talking to himself and like, Itching on a, uh, scratching his itchy scalp, complaining of that he had to eat his horse. That's oh. the guy. He's, he's stuck That's around the same camp. Guy. Oh, and then I think he moons the general, and the general's way out of town. Oh, okay. So yeah, he's okay. he, he's stuck around because he's got a couple other credits, though yeah. this is his last one for the show. Uh, let's see. We also have a man who is balancing a plank on his chin. But since our prediction was for unique talents, I'm not going to count this because we already get the guy with the pick. Sorry, uh guy. Uh EB claps for the lariat lad who is performing tricks with a lasso.
2: Lariat oh. lad.
0: <laughs> I like the
5: one guy who yeah, the one guy who came in to do a trick specifically for Al. <laughs> He's like, "Hey Al, look what I did."
0: <laughs> <laughs> <kick it." laughs> fuck out of here with that nonsense. <laughs> uh we've got some more talents, but we'll come back to those. Hurst wants Aunt Lou to stop preparing dinner and be alone in her grief. She doesn't want to stop. Hugo comes downstairs. The sustenance Hugo wants belongs to Hearst. And then he does this horrifying imitation of a newly hatched bird, which is possibly the most bizarre thing I've ever seen.
1: <laughs> it is pretty weird. As I say, though, I mean, it seems like that's what they wanted. So, you know, it's weird.
0: <laughs> I'd love to hear Stephen Tobolowsky explain this performance. I would, too.
1: He tells great stories, so I I, I don't remember his um, if on his podcast he, uh, I know he told some Deadwood stories, but I don't remember them because I hadn't watched Deadwood, so I didn't really know what he was talking about. Um, I'd be curious now to go back and see if he ever mentions about this bird, but I don't think he does.
0: (laughs) George Hurst has this look of revulsion on his face, (laughs) which I also had that same look (laughs)
1: Yeah. yeah, this is the one time that I can definitely agree with George Hurst on. on what?
0: Elsewhere in the camp, Seth releases New Turner and sends Charlie to Amateur Night. He will appear badgeless, lest he put a damper on the festivities. <laughs> Charlie will.
1: See, it, I just, I see all of these things as being like, okay, so this is, you know, Charlie's gonna get it and stuff. Yeah.
0: Or Seth will.
1: Yeah, I mean, I could see Seth getting attacked in the thing, but I, I just don't think that they're going to get rid of Seth. But uh, Charlie could definitely get it.
3: Anyway.
0: In the Ellsworth household, Alma is readying Sophia for bed. She's brushing the girl's hair. And here we have another talent demonstrated on Amateur Night. Alma pulls a coin from Sophia's ear.
1: Oh, that's right. It's very cute. I love the line, too.
0: You mean the line that's like that's Grandpa's trick,
1: the one right after that. Yeah,
0: you're you're being cagey, so I'm gonna assume that's a quote.
1: <laughs> <It's>, I <laughs> don't I don't actually have the exact quote, so I know you have somewhere you have the um, transcripts and stuff, but I don't know where those are, so I never use them.
0: But yeah, she says Grandpa's trick, and Alma says it is. Yes, and we oughtn't to let that spoil it. Yes, I
1: I love that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I love that. Just a mm-hmm. reminder of who grandpa really is in Alma's life.
0: So we're up to six talents at the gym. Al kicks the board balancer out of his joint. Get out of here with that fucking nonsense. Some people <laughs> got to work on amateur night back at the festivities. Johnny is pleased to see his lady friend, Jen,
1: just to go back to what Al said. I thought that was interesting because I'm looking around. And it's like, there's nobody in the place. Al is wiping down the bar and drinking. And he says, some of us have to work. And it's like, well, you don't have to work, Al. There's nobody in the bar.
0: Mm-hmm. They'll come in after amateur night. You know, they it's will. just wait, you know, they, they might, they, in fact, they might be in a better mood and buy more.
1: Right. which Spend th- more. In a different situation, first um, season Al would have probably been out in the crowd and been ready to say, okay, you know, half, price for the next half hour at the gym. At the gym. You know? And drag them all in. It's a little <laughs> different now.
0: Johnny is pleased to see his lady friend Jen. Richardson is wearing a top hat. The prim lady who sang the gospel number and recoiled in terror from the drunk is now standing next to the drunk ta- taking sips from his giant bottle.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even notice yes, that. Yes, I yeah. saw that. I noticed There's so that. much stuff going
3: on at these festivities. It's like... Mm-hmm. Like five people performing at once, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It's crazy.
0: Yeah. This is why she's my favorite because she, at first she was terrified, and now they're like <laughs> friends. And, like, <laughs> <laughs> and she's, she's like, give me that bottle. I want to get drunk too. <laughs> <laughs> and in the throng, uh, we see the ERPs riding out of camp. Why were they ever there? I have no clue. <laughs> get
1: out.
0: Get the fuck out. <laughs> we have two more talents demonstrated. A mystery from the east performs an exotic dance. And Richardson entertains the crowd by juggling his magic orbs.
3: Who knew? <laughs> <laughs> this shocked me. I was so shocked. Richardson, is that you? No way! Did you get this juggling power from your dear god?
1: <laughs> <laughs> his boss looks so upset. Oh, yeah. look, He's the, yes, worst. He is the worst. And I love I love Langree, like you know, just jealous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of jealousy at the, these festivities, by the way. Uh what's her face there? Was jealous of the lady of the East there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. yeah that was odd. Yeah, the Lady of the East dancing. With, I have you ever seen any of the old um like f- films of dancers from like the nineteen tens and stuff like that? It's it's interesting because a lot of them are pretty much like the dancers we saw. (laughs) Those would have been pretty good dancers
0: at the time. Yeah, I think this is the kind of dancing that Tammy does,
1: like belly dancing. Belly (laughs) dancing. Well, that wasn't really belly dancing. No, but it was. It was
0: had the same kind of feel to it. Exotic costume.
1: Yeah, I did belly dancing back in back in college a little bit. yeah? Yeah, it was fun. Real
0: fun. So EB says to Richardson, "You're done," and the crowd boos. I love that yeah. they boo.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, they were enjoying that juggling. He was a pretty uh-huh. good juggler.
0: He was And you know, e- EB seemed to be enjoying the show up until the moment Richardson got up there, and it's like, no, 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 can't have that. Can't have my right. underling upstage me.
1: Do you think that they uh, they asked around and the uh, the extras and the crew people and the and the uh, secondary characters, and ask them what they could do.
0: Yeah, I think that's exactly what they did.
2: Yeah,
0: Corey, you listened to the commentary, right? Isn't isn't that what Robin Weigert said happened?
2: Yeah, I can't remember exactly what she said, but they were weren't there extra people brought into for this? A couple. I would think that yeah. that hunk that were like hung around all episode or all week or however long it took them to to film it.
0: I think yeah, I think they just assembled all the the folks they. Could who had some sort of minor talent. They're, they probably have extras who are very skilled at certain things, but they couldn't have have anything too refined.
1: <laughs> exactly, yeah. Or,
0: or too modern. Exactly. Yeah. This is just the right level of amateur for amateur night. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So we're up to eight talents. Hugo is nervous about stepping out onto the balcony of the Grand Central. He informs Hearst that he has two hundred and fifty-six soldiers bivouacked near Sturgis who would vote. However, Hearst tells them, and another two hundred that could be called from the hills if needed. And Hearst wants to know why the soldiers near Sturgis just simply can't vote twice, because you know ethics and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> what? What's that? Ethics.
1: It's like I, this, it's I'm like sorry. I, no, I don't. It's like it. this thing where no, you know you don't do yeah. stuff that's like ne- you know. Never heard it. Uh-uh. Yeah. 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 No. I don't think that's really a word.
0: Because, you know, like, fairness and junk.
1: No, don't know that one either. And, like,
0: treating people uh, with respect and stuff.
1: No. uh
0: Uh-uh. No, it's like a thing. I don't know.
1: Oh, yeah, no, it's something that... Oh, oh, I get the respect thing. That's something that people are supposed to do for me.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. If you have money. Yeah. 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 But wasn't there a stipulation that people had to be residents for at least two weeks in order to vote? How are they residents of Deadwood if they're camped outside of Deadwood? And they're just soldiers.
1: I assume they'll be bringing them in sometime soon and, and uh, establishing them.
0: So are you, are you saying that it's going to get very crowded in Deadwood?
1: <laughs> it could. I mean, between Woo's <laughs> people and the governor's soldiers, and it could get real crowded in Deadwood.
0: So Woo has people, and Hearst has these soldiers. And the Pinkertons.
1: And there's Pinkertons. hmm
0: Plus that army of school children.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Arm the children. Hey, speaking of
0: the school kids, Psy goes to the schoolhouse. He mocks the tree and the treehouse and its branches. Jane runs off to get Mose. Joni says, we can talk, but not here. Psy bristles at her fucked out horse thinking, how dare she tell him where he can go and where he cannot go. Mose appears with his big stick and orders Psy to leave, and Psy does, but not before ominously ringing the school bell.
1: Yes. He's
0: the worst. He sucks. Yep. Mm.
1: I yeah, I'm sorry. He's not the worst, but he's one of the worst. <laughs> sigh? Remember when I remember yeah. when I
5: said they should focus on characters that they have before, and we should get back to the the, the core of this series. You, you meant Sai? To... No, you don't. Have to... <laughs> you don't have to include him. I'd be okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. He's just a creep. He is, but he's a very creepy creep. I feel like as as gross as George Hurst is, like. I find he's at least a little bit more compelling to watch.
3: Mm.
1: I find Sai just gross on all levels.
3: Yep.
0: Except that here, Sai almost seems to want his, like, friendship. Almost, like, he's making an overture, almost like, I'm gonna go check out what joni has been up to, and he goes in, and immediately they're like, get the fuck out. That's Then he gets defensive. Yeah. It, it's like, he and Steve are kind of alike, like, and that they alienate everyone around them, but they also kind of seek out those people?
1: Yeah, I guess that's true.
0: But they burn their bridges and no one wants to have anything to do with them.
1: Psy definitely does want... I mean, he, he does want Joni's attention and stuff. There's no two ways about it. It's not... And Hurst wants Lou's attention and... I don't know. They're just a bunch of messed up people. They're just
0: lonely, lonely, angry people.
1: Mm. And they're still horrible human beings. Yes.
0: If Jane's line "I like them school kids" seems weird in 80 yard, that's because it was. Huh. Robin Weigert says in the commentary she regrets the delivery of that line and how it was awkwardly used. Oh. it's a super 80 yard line.
1: <laughs> this episode had a couple of weird edited moments. Mm.
0: Yeah, I would agree. It's pretty
5: messy. There, yeah. there was one where they had they had uh, the newspaper guy, and then they cut to a very short scene of first and then they cut right back to the newspaper guy i thought that was odd to have those scenes too so close to each other without more of a buffer merrick that's his name Mm -hmm. (laughs) so many names i have to remember
0: and there was like another moment where uh alma let trixie into the bank and then it cuts away and then cuts right back to alma being in the bank with jack Mm
1: -hmm. yeah
3: too crazy
0: yeah
1: I mean, I got the feeling they were trying to give us an idea of, you know, all these things are happening at the same time and there's all this activity in the town and yada, yada, yada. But yeah, it was kind of messy. So back
0: at Amateur Night, Fields has Steve in a wheelbarrow and says, isn't this fun, man? (laughs) 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 The prim lady is still sharing the giant bottle with her new friend, the drunkard. A man removes his glass eye. I missed that. Uh, yeah. That's not a talent.
1: <laughs> no.
0: It really
3: is <laughs> I my glass eye. The guy was so proud of himself, though. <laughs> mm. uh.
0: We have two more talents demonstrated. The camp giant slowly lowers a heavy hammer to his face. I guess this is supposed oh, yeah. to demonstrate strength of some kind, because yeah. a weaker man would have struck himself in the face. Yeah. It's like, okay, you're lowering a hammer. All right. Yeah,
1: it's it's really heavy. It's heavy. And, it's a heavy and thing. <laughs> that means that his his hand and his wrist have to be incredibly strong. Mhm. Cuz he can't he's not using his whole arm. He's just lowering it with his hand. Right. So all the all the weight and everything kind of reverse leverage <laughs> is on his hand.
0: But it's probably a prop hammer made of styrofoam.
1: Well, yeah.
0: <laughs> so I'm not impressed because <laughs> yeah. I know what it well, is. I, it doesn't look it's not a real hammer.
1: Uh, Matt, you ruined <laughs> the illusion.
0: <What laughs> well, Dan's impressed.
1: Page, guys. Come on.
0: Dan, Dan and Silas are smiling. I-, I do like how everyone is brought out to this event. Except and, for Except, well, by choice. And, I think he stayed behind. And
1: Seth. And Alma.
0: Well, she had to put the kid to bed. Yeah. Some men are playing hillbilly instruments. A tree <laughs> harp or something. A branch with a string. A washboard. <laughs> a jug to hoot in. <laughs> So I guess that's a talent, playing instruments.
1: That is a talent. Oh yeah, a joke band.
2: More, more so than balancing a hammer, <laughs> or playing leapfrog. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, definitely
2: more so than playing
1: leapfrog. <laughs> is leapfrog a talent? <laughs> According to LaGriche it is. But yeah. yeah,
0: if he says it is, then everything seems to amuse him.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean true. he's just—he wants an audience the next time, and so he's going to endear himself to everybody. But you're all very talented and interesting people come see the show but you know what's going to happen though everybody's going to start coming over to the theater and being like hey uh, uh so you guys looking for uh, any talents today <laughs> you know what's going to happen he's going to get every freaking person coming over to the theater just wanting to showcase their talents again he's and he happen. might take I'm him up like, on it yeah, some of them think, Yeah. yeah he might do like a little before the show mm. thing you know Something like that, or he might use somebody in the middle of a show. If let's see, he's doing a farce or something, and he needs some kind of weird thing juggle, like a juggler. juggler, yeah, juggler, hmm. yeah, like a juggler, you know, just I to pay, walk. I would through through. pay money to. I, I would pay good money to watch Richardson juggle. <laughs> <laughs> you just watched Richardson juggle. I would do it again. I would pay for it. I would support his uh, his venture. I would want him to get away from Farnham.
0: I want to see Richardson play King Lear.
1: Aww.
3: <laughs> so
0: great. So our running tally of unique talents is up to 10. I can't remember what I said. You will find out.
1: I think I was down at like 6 or
2: something. Yeah, someone said 15. Someone that did was, say 15. No. It yeah, I, no. think it, I think it was.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, have I missed any talents so far? I have no idea. Hurst signs Hugo's note, confirming they met. That note is for Governor Pennington. And then we go to the gem, where Al is by himself. He's wiping down the bar. He's been drinking. He wishes he was at amateur night, because he performs to the moose on the wall. That's not
1: a moose, that's a deer. Or, or, deer. Is, it, or is it an elk? I thought it was an elk.
0: I thought maybe it was an elk. I wrote down yeah. elk, but then in the commentary they said moose.
1: Uh, that's not a moose. That's not a moose.
0: No. Okay, so we can say but elk?
1: It, I thought it was an elk. I mean, I didn't look at it very carefully, but it might the be moose? a deer. The moose is like Canada's giraffe. <laughs> <laughs> Why? I don't know. What? It's a huge animal. It's huge. Okay.
3: <laughs> okay. So I was basically saying we should know what
1: a moose looks like. Uh, <laughs> oh, I believe that you should know what a moose looks like.
0: Don't you ride them to work?
1: We do! <laughs> every day! I have a stable in my backyard. <laughs> That's one animal. Oh, I not an animal. I
3: have a livery!
1: I have my, own, my very own steam. The moose.
3: The moose livery. <laughs>
1: yes.
3: These things
1: are hard I, have to not, I have not seen a moose in the wild.
0: In the Canadian version of Deadwood, a child is trampled by a moose <laughs> in, the, in the second
1: season. <laughs> <laughs> you do not want to see a moose uh, in real life, in the wild. It's terrifying. No. Well, from far away, I wouldn't mind. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. No, I've never had a desire to see them up close. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so- I've been in lots of places that had moose, and I've been in lots of places where they say, yeah, there were some moose in the lake, you know, five minutes ago. It's like, never there. So, does Al's singing count as a, ta- a talent? Yes. Oh, that's
0: a good point. I would have counted it if we were counting individuals who demonstrated talent, but you guys wanted to do unique talents, and we already had the ladies singing. So. Oh. Unfortunately, can't count it.
1: Oh. But styles of singing. It's a different style altogether. Totally different style, that's true. But it <laughs> is not
3: unique.
0: Right. No. Sorry, not going to count it.
3: Eh, you suck. Uh,
0: that's <laughs> fine.
1: He's <laughs> heard that before. he's not impressed
0: the song that he is singing is the unfortunate rake the story is this a soldier is dying evidently of venereal disease he contracted from a young woman and he requests a funeral this story has been spun over centuries into a whole collection of similarly themed songs the many variants feature young soldiers sailors maids cowboys being cut down in their prime and contemplating their deaths a 1960s Folkways Records album titled The Unfortunate Rake features 20 different versions of the ballad.
1: Jeez. I knew I'd heard versions of it, but I I didn't know what it was called or anything. The thing they played at the end of, the very end, uh, over the credits, was one that I'd heard a lot. That one was used um, in a couple... I'm trying to remember what movie, when the uh, cavalry was attacking an Indian village. If it was Little Big Man or... It may have been Little Big Man.
0: The name of that song, the end credit song, is called Did You Ever Meet Gary Owen, Uncle Joe?
1: Oh, right, Gary Owen. I think the, um, was it Custer who used Gary Owen all the time? It may have been Custer that used Gary Owen all the time. I don't know who that is. Custer?
0: No, Gary Owen.
1: Gary Owen, that's the song that you just said.
0: Yes, but what do you mean used him? Used it. Oh, used, used it? The song. I thought you should have used him, and I thought maybe Gary Owen was like a scout no. a scout no, or something.
1: No, no. <laughs> okay. that, that song, when you said it, I realized that I'd always heard it just referred to as Gary Owen. Once you said it, it, was like, oh, right. That's the name. And then once you said it, it was like, oh, I think I remember reading that that particular song was used, I thought it was by Custer. Uh, That was one of his favorite songs to go in. I... But I might be remembering it wrong. Probably there will be someone listening to this saying, You're a jerk! Don't you know what you're talking about?
0: Uh, No one listens
1: to this. Oh, okay, then I'm fine. (laughs) 7th Cavalry Regimental March. The legend 7th Cavalry. It keeps going 7th Cavalry, apparently. It was used a lot by the 7th Cavalry. Custer Lives. Yep, it was used by Custer. All right.
0: Anything else you want to say before we move on to your predictions?
1: Oh, do we have to move on to those?
0: Carol's prediction was that the Erps are amateurs and they make a mess of her plans. (laughs) No, they just left.
1: Nope, not even close.
0: Nope, they left. You did predict juggling, singing, and clogging. We got juggling and singing.
1: Yeah, no clogging. I'm very disappointed now. It's very sad. Yeah, it should have been clogging.
0: Matt predicted amateur night at the gym Saloon, and anyone is welcome to try their hand at whoring. The amateurs will be rated with customer reviews and ranked on a leaderboard. <laughs> <laughs> you predicted the talents we would see would be whistling, and someone will play the spoons.
3: Close, Close. the jug band Close spoons. Mm.
0: Not much musical stuff of any kind besides singing.
5: Yeah, in the
1: jug band, There's drug band. Yeah, yeah, really- there was a jug
5: band. Yeah, yeah, there was a
1: jug band.
3: I
5: didn't notice. You could them. hardly,
1: you could hardly worked hear on, them.
5: They weren't on stage, though. Well, yeah, it?
1: you couldn't hardly hear them because everybody else was performing at the same time. <laughs> yeah.
5: Kind of became thought... a free for all at the end. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> What's the stage even for?
3: <laughs> look at me! Look at me! <laughs> yeah. Basically, it's
5: a whole town of interesting people.
0: <laughs> Mel predicted an evening of stand up comedy, including a prop comic.
1: Worst <laughs> There was a lot of prop comedy It's true with all the balancing On the, yeah, that's the face yeah. That's prop comedy I don't, I don't think it was supposed to be comedy though <laughs> It's comedy it Comedy gold <laughs> <laughs> That guy going into the gym Come on It should
5: have been a, a guy swallowing random shit <laughs> <laughs> um, Not literal
0: shit Oh Okay <laughs> <laughs> Alright then. Uh, she also predicted that the general will bring Steve on stage and throw food in his face. <laughs> Jane will light her farts on fire. <laughs> there will be contortionists. Bellegarde demonstrates the art of figging. <laughs>
3: <laughs> he didn't. He might have been somewhere <laughs> he else. He might doing have been it. figging when he was wearing that um that uh adver- advertisement. Blackhead. Oh. <laughs> I've been thinking that
0: very moment. <laughs> He's like, No one knows, but I am walking
3: around with ginger up
0: my bone. No one knows. Hello school children. Wake up the school children. Oh man. Oh, miscellaneous predictions. How many unique talents demonstrated an amateur knight? I counted ten. Matt said four. Carol said six. Mel said fifteen. Six is the closest. I'm going to give the point to Carol.
1: Whoa, that's a new one. (laughs) I gratefully accept this honor.
0: Okay, we will move into feedback. Got some feedback from Nutty. Let's have Corey read this one. Okay.
2: This was a weird episode. Not really a story at all. Just stuff happened. Did they think they had more seasons coming at this point? Uh, I think we talked about that, right? Hmm. He thought, yeah. "Um, Aunt Lou is teaching Richardson more than cooking. She is she is the one who must have taught him to read and is now teaching him numbers." <laughs> I feel b- I feel bad for him when Farnham pulls him off the stage later. I really feel bad for Aunt Lou too. I'm not sure Hurst had her son killed, but I'm pretty sure he did. I like how in the beginning of the show, Joni has to hold up Jane because she was drunk, but at the end, Jane was holding up Joni because of sigh. I also really like like how they, along with Moe's, have a little family going. Makes me happy. I kind of dug the Urp Boys in this episode. Did Morgan get better looking or something? (laughs) 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 Um, I love how Seth handled everything and the little looks between him and Wyatt. Poor Merrick, everyone's punching bag. And Blazanoff, I won't take your tip, that's how mad I am. (laughs) I hope there is a story in the production notes about why there is a tree in the school. So I hope for the future, which I know won't happen, is that Aunt Lou poisons Hurst on the same night that Ellsworth beats him to death. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and maybe that Jane kills Sally for Joni, or Joni does it. Oh, and I think I forgot to mention Steve. I love how, in gen, in general, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> is taking care of him, even though he says he is leaving and won't take care of him kind of funny how everyone just lets him be. Johnny, Johnny understanding Woo is great, too.
3: <laughs>
0: I tried to find notes about the tree, and that's where I found the the bit about Yggdrasil, the world tree from Norse mythology. So I told that to Nutty, and she said, "Methinks David Milch is overthinking again and making things super complex, but that's what he does. A smiley face. <laughs> <laughs> I also really like Jane and Joni and Moe's being a little family mm-hmm. all needing each other and finding each other and leaning on each other for support.
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh. Your proys did look um better in this episode now that they mentioned that. It's uh, uh still just superfluous, but
0: <sighs> Absolutely.
1: We're going to keep using that word. They had some they had some vocabulary in this one that uh that was definitely new to me. Um there were three or four words that that uh I had not run across before. Hmm. I do not remember what they are offhand.
0: Do you remember scenes or anything?
1: Yeah, um Lagrish said a few of them. Um let's see one of them what uh where was it? I think Lagrish was the one that came up with most of it. I'd have to go back and, and look. I th- if I had, had time I might have gone back and, and written them down them up. They were all, contextually you could figure out what they meant, but mm-hmm. but, uh...
0: I like the actors who play Morgan and Wyatt, but, yeah. Okay, so, uh, got some feedback from Harold. Uh, I will have Corey read this one also, uh, because he hasn't been very chatty, so I'm gonna make him work for it now.
2: Hey, right. Corey! <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, on last week's podcast, Matt A headed to Final Four Episodes. I, for one, was underwhelmed by Amateur Night. I think the only real, the, I think the only really memorable thing about it was the uh, odd business about someone building a schoolhouse around a tree instead. Was that based on something that really happened? If you ever wanted proof that people used to drink a lot back in the 1870s, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one of the problems with having a big bad for a season is that you then have episodes where the villain is cooling his heels until the big finale, and that drags everything. Also, the Erps high-tailing it out of ten so quickly after they arrived makes it feel like this season has lost direction. I give some props to the Amateur night; it's always fun to see the camp come together, whether it is for a wedding or a bicycle ride or what have you, but really, it is not like a whole lot came out of that. On the other hand, we did get to see a lot of people display their talents. Here's my tally. Richardson can juggle. Al can sing. Jane and Joni can hold hands. <laughs> Bullock can contain his anger. Alma <laughs> uh, Elma can sober up for a day at least. Hearst can feel sympathy. am not sure that's true. <laughs> yeah, maybe.
0: At least he can feign sympathy. Yeah.
2: yeah. God, I think That's
3: 15 right here, I would.
2: <laughs> Merritt can take a beating and Steve can stay still. <laughs> I, <totally> I give <laughs> I give this five tree out of ten.
0: I feel like we should say more about Harold's feedback, but it bummed me out. <laughs> it made me sad.
1: I like his list.
0: I did like his list. <laughs> yeah. No, you you do not win, Mel.
1: I kind of it's agree not, with him it? about a lot of it though. In my heart, I win. And that's all that matters. <laughs> sure, we'll In go your heart, that. you always win. Yeah, exactly.
3: Yeah, that's,
0: I'm how, a winner. Yeah, that's how a sociopath <laughs> thinks. <Yeah.
1: laughs> so be it.
0: <laughs> Alright, I'll play some audio feedback from Hasso.
6: Hi guys, this is Hasso. Here for some feedback for Series 3, Episode 9, Amateur Nights. Uh, this episode certainly had some um, heartwarming and touching moments. It was good to finally see the kids moving into their new school and uh, certainly having some uh, inspiration with the tree in the schoolyard, or schoolroom there. Richardson and Aunt Lou. You can just see Richardson's affection and his gratefulness for their friendship ingrained in every word and mannerism when they're preparing the food. Um, And it's magnified tenfold more when poor Aunt Lou is told of her son's death um, she just runs straight to Richardson, who is a real friend. And, of course, Amateur Night. Um, it's one of the few times that we get to see the whole community in in Deadwood getting together and having some fun. Um, I think probably the last time that happened was when Tom Nuddle was riding the bike down the thoroughfare. On a different note, Merrick getting a beating on her score was... Um, Was uh, pretty intense, and uh, Paul Blazanoff being unable to intervene there, you could see that he was just, he felt so ashamed. Um, I wonder if that's got to, that has to be really the end of anything slightly anti-Hurst in the newspaper from now on. And the big highlight of the um, episode was Johnny's moments of the season, or all three seasons in in my book, uh, where he would uh, mosey on over Woo's shoulder. Um, you'd have Dan huffing and puffing in the background, uh, carrying on like, uh, you know, he's got these old mannerism of, what the fuck do you know, mate? Then the earnest look back from, from Woo with the thumbs up, and then it's simply, take it away, Johnny. With even Al struggling to understand Wu's meaning, and Johnny jumping in and solving the riddle Well, I'm wondering if there's a bit of egg on all our faces, including the Hoopalcast team, after hassling Johnny for not having um, great reading skills the other week, and probably extrapolating that to not being able to get anything right. And, of course, those moments of such greatness need to be swiftly brought back down to earth uh, with a hard left hook, is how (laughs) it largely did. Classic moment. I remember the first time I watched that scene, I laughed out loud, and I certainly um, had to to re-watch it probably two or three times and just laughed every time. It was classic. Um, I think the only thing that could remotely challenge it, challenge that that scene, is, um, yep, Richardson juggling. (laughs) <laughs> I bet Mel must have been over the moon seeing that as well. Yep. And uh, we all know, and it was reinforced again in this episode, that if you stuff around with the law, you're going to be quickly under arrest in Deadwood. Seth is so convincing in his anger. Love is daring of Hurst's men to call his bluff as an excuse to let loose on the trigger uh, while he was taking that, that guy in for questioning. Uh, did I miss something, or have we had two consecutive and different elephant references? Topsy, and now Giganto. Uh, with Jane's hassling of Moe's, and she was in a drunken stupor. And it was also good at the end there, seeing Steve enjoying the uh, amateur night show. I wonder why he wasn't on stage, ready for the crowd to throw wheat cereal on his <laughs> face. Was that something that Mel suggested the other week? Yeah. And Al having a talent of himself, um, I'm sure that the average viewer uh, would be quite surprised, um, but I bet our resident fan, I think, was it Russell? I'm um, sure he wasn't surprised one bit and was expecting uh, Al's lovely uh, singing talents to be on display um, one, if not two, seasons earlier. Anyway, fantastic episode, a uh, great mix of emotions, and I give it 8 out of 10 uh, juggling Richardsons. Thanks, guys.
1: Wow, two totally different ones one night after the other.
5: Mm-hmm. Harold is a tough critic, though. That very is hard. true. Uh-huh. Yeah. very uh-huh. hard. Briscoe or Briscoe County Junior. <laughs> <laughs> um him talking about that punch reminded me I add another note. I really liked uh Charlie's form when he punched the uh, Oh not, my god. <laughs> not Captain whatever, not Captain Turner. I call him New Turner. New, New Turner. Turner. Yes.
3: It but- was like the slowest like Punch I've ever seen.
5: Well, it, no, it wasn't that slow. It was just like a I, weird, I just, like tiny punch. I thought it looked good. It landed like squarely on his jaw. It looked, it looked like a good, clean punch. <laughs> I just wanted between the, the
1: bars. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I just liked how he come over here for a second. Clap. <laughs> <laughs> it is nice that they found a way to get Ian McShane to sing on the show. Uh huh. Um.
3: Except he
1: was all kind of speak singing.
0: Yeah, that yeah. was to a song. Well, no. Al is not Al is not a singer. That's why it was speak singing.
1: What kind of singing does Ian McShane usually do?
0: Like, top 40-ish Oh, that's right. Standards.
1: Oh, that's right, I forgot. For top 40 80s.
0: Do you listen <laughs> yeah. to our podcast,
1: Carol? Yes, yeah, I, I heard it, I remember. I yeah. just forgot. It's been a rough few weeks, months, years. But, yeah.
0: Uh, A reference uh, to Topsy last week came from a reader's theater, Hasso, and uh, Topsy the Elephant was named after Topsy from Uncle Tom's cabin, so.
1: Yeah, and Topsy the Elephant was born in the 1870s, so I don't think they would have known about it until. This is 1876. Yeah, but you don't know, okay, an elephant has been born. It was named Topsy. Let's, let's dress up as the elephant. You know, it's. It wasn't in prominence yet. No, well, I don't know about that. It's,
0: it performed at uh, Coney Island. Maybe it was in the newspapers and they're getting it they're seeing it in the newspaper, especially if they're society people.
1: She's not going to dress up like an elephant. Let's also- It's a
0: masquerade ball. They ha- she has a mask. Right. That's a trunk.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what what do women usually like to dress up as for masquerade or whatever?
4: Little black girls?
1: Something, you know, that they, something cute or something sexy, one or the other.
0: I think an elephant is cute. <laughs> I think dressing up as a little black girl is not cute. It,
1: no, I agree with you, but at the Unless time, you're
0: already a little black girl. But if you're a white woman dressing as a little black girl, that's not cute.
1: No, not to us now, because <laughs> hopefully we have learned something in the last 140 years. But back then, with the mentality that, you know, they had when it came to race relations, as we've seen on Deadwood, um, and know from other sources.
0: What if she dresses yeah. both topsies simultaneously?
1: Yeah, Um I think that would be very interesting, but I don't think she would have done it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, we'll have to go back in time and ask her.
1: Right. Well, you do that, let me know how it went.
0: Um, we have feedback from Will. Yay.
1: Yay, Will.
7: Well, hello, cocksuckers, motherfuckers, butt sniffers, and Corey. Yeah, hey, Corey. Um, I really right. like this episode of Deadwood. Um, there's just so much happening. All the different storylines, all the different characters in their machinations, machinations. Um... My favorite scenes would have to be the ones with Aunt Lou and Richardson, I guess. And I also really like the part where, um, Charlie punched that guy in the face. I, I just love a good <laughs> face punch. And since, um, yeah, since John likes to hear what I'm doing, you know, last night I went on Portland's famous naked bike ride <laughs> wow. where it's just thousands of people riding bikes throughout the streets of Portland naked, and they block off the streets. And it's supposed to be a protest against oil dependence, but for me it just just, used to be naked and solid body positivity and all that stuff. So this episode was like that really good stuff, really good time you have with your partner, and it just blows your mind. You have the time of your life. But the next day, you know, some parts are also tender, because, you know, seats are tough. So, I'll talk to you guys later. Bye.
1: Bye. Tender parts.
0: I guess that was marginally related to the episode.
1: (laughs) Thank you. Sometimes this feedback feels kind of like a hit and run.
0: That's fine. (laughs) Oh, man. Um, So, uh, uh, another feedbacker who liked the episode and the face punch.
1: Yeah. Well, I don't think... Does anybody disagree with the face punch liking? No. Yeah, I mean...
0: But no one brought it up until Matt did.
1: This is true. This is true. <laughs> we kind of forgot about it.
0: Well, thank you for the feedback, Nutty, Harold, Hasso, and Will.
1: Yay! Thank you. You,
0: you too can send us feedback, listener, by typing out a little email or sending a audio file to hoopalcast at com. There's only three episodes left, so if you haven't done it, why don't you do it? We'd love to hear from you. So let's get into episode ratings as our guest, Corey. You may get to go first.
2: I may get to go first?
0: You may go first.
5: (laughs) You may get to go first after we do our random (laughs) draw.
0: (laughs) Lean into the microphone.
2: This episode, uh, I think, kind of like everyone thought, it was... It was just kind of weird at first the way it sort of jumped around. And spent a lot of time with the the Earps, which was kind of pointless because, as we know, they're going to leave and not come back. Um, with uh, for amateur night, I was uh, I really wanted to see um, really wanted to see Jane with her bull whip. But yeah, unfortunately, I didn't get cool. to see that. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if that would count as an amateur talent, though.
1: Yeah, I don't know if she had gone out and performed. Um, had she gone out and performed professionally yet? I don't know.
0: I don't know, but I preferred having her in the schoolhouse with Joni and Moe's and their little family stuff. Like,
1: yeah, true. Well, she could have pulled out the bull whip there and given a demonstration. <laughs> Just the kids, it's like a <laughs> kids' own <only>, because <laughs> <laughs> kids can't go to the amateur night, so they get their own little amateur school hour.
0: They could have shown her practicing, like drunk, but
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
3: That could have been a hard one.
1: <laughs>
0: That's
5: how that guy got his glass eye, she knocked him out. <laughs> <laughs> With a couple kids.
2: Um Yeah, the uh I was the, the leapfrogging I thought was really quite a big stretch as a is a talent. <laughs> <laughs> I can't get over that one. <laughs> <laughs> I think we get to do that as kids. Um so we're just giving ratings right now, right? Right, yep. Oh, okay. So uh, I'm gonna give this uh, a seven out of ten. Eps and bull whips. Okay?
3: Sad. Sad. Sorry. Yeah. Sad. <laughs> uh, Carol.
1: Um, I didn't really care that much for this episode. I think because it was just I felt like it was all tone, you know, it was like there was just this ominous tone and I kept waiting for bad things to happen. And I was kinda glad bad things didn't happen. But at the same time it's like, okay, so why did you make me feel this way for an hour? and have nothing happen at all. So, um yeah, I enjoyed the amateur stuff at the end, but that didn't really lead anywhere either. Um I like character stuff, but if there's only character stuff and it's just not leading any place, it, I I felt kind of cheated by the end. Um I'm going to give it 6 out of 10. Invalid wheelbarrows.
0: Okay. Invalids in wheelbarrows.
1: (laughs) Well, they're wheelbarrows meant to carry around invalids. Kind of like Deadwood ambulances.
0: (laughs) Uh, We'll go to Matt's next.
5: Uh, This episode was all over the place. Mm. It was disorganized and random. And there was a few nice scenes, but for the most part it just felt aimless. Uh, I'll give it a 6 out of 10 salty hams.
0: I wondered when Jack produced his fork and said, My ham! (laughs) If he was, like, saying that because he knows that he himself is a ham.
5: Yeah. (laughs) I keep expecting him to be evil just because he usually plays evil characters. I'm like, he's
3: up to something. (laughs) Mel? Yes. Yes.
5: Yeah,
1: the, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. The first half of this episode was just excruciating. But then, yeah, it kinda got, there's always some good moments. That's just, that's just the show. There's always, like, some good moments that kinda redeem the episode, but, yeah, overall I agree with everybody. It's just really all over the place, really random. Uh, it's a really weird episode. Like, I just didn't get, like, I didn't get why we stayed on that tree, like, why we discussed the tree so much. I was like, why do we have to keep questioning this? It's a tree inside a house, get over it. Seem to really be bothering uh, Joni a lot. Yeah, I know, but I was like, you know what? It's not that bad. The kids will be entertained by it. They'll be like, "Oh, it's so cool," you know.
0: But I don't think she she felt that way.
1: She She felt like she doesn't
3: know kids.
5: She was just like, "What should I tell the children about the tree? They're going to ask." And I was just like, "Tell them whatever you want. They're kids. They'll believe you."
0: Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) but it's not normal and. And she wants to be normal. This is the new normal, kids. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, I mean, just... just oh.
5: None of you have trees in your homes? Oh, jeez, get with the times.
1: <laughs> so, I'm gonna bump it up by one point, just because Richardson juggled. <laughs> I'm gonna give it a 7 out of 10 ham notches. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: I, See, I don't know why, but I like this episode a lot. I think it's because I don't remember the first half of it. I only remember the second half of it, uh-huh. which I guess isn't fair. So I have to scale back my rating then because, yeah, there was a lot of messy stuff and the herps. I mean, they're gone now, but why were they there to begin with? Um, I just, I like it when the camp comes together and they did it twice in this episode. First was the procession of the children through the thoroughfare, which I thought was very sweet. And then just amateur night is fun. Like, they were having a lot of fun, and I really got a kick out of the lady who was like, saw the drunk guy, and was like, oh, no! And then by the end of it, they were sharing the bottle. It's
3: like, it's great.
0: Um, (laughs) And uh, I liked Richardson and Aunt Lou, and, uh, yeah. So, uh, I guess I'll just go, I'm gonna go eight and a half. Eight and a half out of ten um, proper ladies. Making new friends.
1: <laughs> she may have been looking for a husband. You know, she may have found him.
0: <laughs> also, I just like the drunk was like, "That's the most beautiful thing I've ever heard."
3: And she's like, "Ah, get this guy away from
0: me! <laughs> Okay, character of the episode.
2: Oh, Corey.
3: Um,
2: I'm gonna I'm gonna have to go with Seth. I think since he's trying to juggle a lot of things, he's got to deal with all the the Pinkertons in town, the the Earp shooting. Um. He's he's got uh, Johnny coming to try and drag him to see Al. He's got to walk Martha, a walk with Martha. So I'm going to go with Seth.
0: Okay, is he a better juggler than Richardson? (laughs)
2: Uh, Yes, he's he's juggling more important things than balls. (laughs) Or whatever he juggles.
0: Magical golden orbs or something.
5: Golden
2: golden apples or something. Carol?
1: When I first thought, when you first said that, because I forgot to think about this, my... Initial thought was Lagriche, because he was everywhere in this whole thing. But then I, I did go to Seth, and I was like, because he had some really powerful moments and stuff. Corey took Seth, so I'll go with Lagriche.
3: Okay. Langriche.
1: Langriche. <laughs> Thank you.
0: That's your uh, second nomination for him in a row. Oh, really? Yeah.
1: Oh. It all, goes, it all
0: goes in the spreadsheet. I don't let you guys see the spreadsheet because I don't want it to influence your
1: I I had totally forgotten your nominations. I, I don't remember from one That's fine. episode fine. the next.
0: Uh Matt. Uh it's gotta be
5: Richardson. <laughs> yeah? Oh yeah. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah.
5: Yeah, I really liked him uh learning how to cook and comforting Aunt
0: Lou and juggling.
3: Yeah. You're here, here. Yes.
0: Yeah. Second you're voting for Richardson as well,
3: Mm-hmm.
0: guys. I'm going to give it to the lady who <laughs> saying Jesus <laughs> loves me, <her. laughs> anachronistic lady. Uh, very much so. I I just I thought she was hilarious. Just particularly when she was in the uh, the crowd saying "Pick me, pick me," but had this look on her of like this frightened look on her face. Um, yeah. So I'm going to give it to the Jesus loves me. This I know,
1: lady. Oh
2: uh, yeah. I actually thought that was the the whore that Johnny likes at first. Oh. I was wondering why she was so dressed up. <laughs> <laughs>
3: she cleans up nice with <laughs> those talent shoes.
2: Looking for a big break to get out of where she worked, the gym? Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah, it's her big break. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh,
2: I found a drunk guy.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay, quotes.
3: Matt, you're going to have to go to the quote part.
5: Oh, uh, yeah. Give us a second while we go open up the website. Okay. Go I'll somebody go. else. Go.
0: I'll go first. Well, you weren't going to go first anyway. Corey goes first. Well, how dare you ask? Me. <laughs> I guess you didn't ask, me, did you?
3: I have a quote. Wait! Wait for me. Five minutes.
0: No, Corey gets to go first. He's the guest. It's podcast rules.
2: Uh, I've got, uh, Woo and Al. Kusta! And Al says, well, he's dead, for Christ's sake, Woo. How about the canoe? Did you know that had been fucking invented yet?
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs>
3: uh, that's cool. Carol? Um, come back to me. Mel? Are we? Come back! <laughs> Matt was really slow calling your phone, Matt.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Alright, here's a quote, uh, from Jack. By way of publicity, this evening we conduct an amateur night. I wish to state unequivocally, with this imposing gentleman as witness, I have no gossamer filament of doubt. You have skills to delight and amaze. And he says that to Alma. Oh, such a flirt.
1: He has a line for everybody. And notice they're always different.
0: I got um,
5: sit, sit, sit. Must I do so four times?
3: (laughs) (laughs) Waka waka. that That was sit, 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 sit. Yeah. Yeah. He should have.
1: Here's one that's kind of, I, I don't have the exact words, but it was either, you know, <laughs> Langriche said or he said. Um, he said it was like a prelude. And as soon as later on, it's like, okay, yeah, this whole episode was a prelude. No wonder they called it Amateur Night.
5: You keep saying that, but what if nothing happens next episode?
1: <laughs> I, if nothing happens next episode, then yeah, it's a I, I, prelude to the show being canceled because <laughs> I kind of understand why <laughs> nothing happens. The six was kinda kind of mm-hmm. kind in a way. I really didn't like this episode.
5: Wow. Okay. Mel's got another in the chamber.
3: Okay, go ahead. What do I, ha- what? What she? You the-
5: got another quote in your chamber.
3: I don't like the way you say that.
5: <laughs> <laughs> it's a reference to bullets and You you're creeping me out with your gun talk. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to fire a quote at you guys right now.
3: Richardson! You're done! <laughs> Envy is a cardinal sin, Mr. Farnum. Cardinal sin!
1: <laughs> Seth Bullock says, Tell him I ain't coming for his lecture. Tell him I don't need it. Tell him if my temper was going to get the best of me, this cocksucker's brain would be all over the floor. Tell him I've got it, all right? Tell him I'm on top of it. (laughs) I love that. If he was going to give a message to the Pinkertons as to how close they are to not just running right over the town, that was one, that was a pretty clear one.
0: And I like how he has to say it in five different ways to Johnny to make (laughs) sure that Johnny
5: (laughs) uh, understands. (laughs) Oh, Um. Okay, Giganto, don't tusk me to death with your
0: tusks.
1: <laughs> <laughs> a little redundantly repetitive on that one.
0: I know. Oh, well, I guess I will remove that quote too, My <laughs> less. <laughs> uh, that should have been my rating, uh, Runaway Circus Elephants. Um... Alright, here's a quote from Al. Get out of here with that fucking nonsense. Get out of here before I cut your fucking throat. Go on. Fucking amateur night. Some people gotta fucking work, huh? <laughs> um, any other quotes?
1: This one from Merrick and Al. Have I bled on your bed linens, Al? You wouldn't be the first.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Gross. All right. Well, in two weeks we will return with episode thirty-four: A Constant Throb. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: You can tell that we do not look ahead in the titles. (laughs) (laughs) Just
3: no. Just no.
5: The doc. The doc invents Viagra. (laughs) (laughs) And and, um, Johnny. Johnny takes some, and it lasts longer than four hours. (laughs) And he has to call Doc.
3: What if Johnny was one of his test subjects, though? That's that's what happened. He's like a test subject.
1: <laughs>
0: oh. Um. Uh, other predictions? <laughs>
1: well, most boring prediction.
0: Okay, what's and that? Give it to
1: us. The most boring prediction is that uh, this is... Uh, that it will turn out to be uh, Hurst talking about his back. Yeah, that's what I was gonna guess. Yeah. Um, and that maybe his back is throbbing because there's a Leviathan
3: waiting to burst out
1: of his back.
5: (laughs) (laughs) The constant throbbing will be, like, it'll be a headache in Seth's head as he gets more and more pissed and he tries to hold in his anger, and you'll see this vein get bigger and bigger throughout the episode. Everybody's
1: just gonna get get bodily deformities this episode. (laughs) (laughs) Like, throbbing bodily deformities. Like, people will get, like, pulsating heads. Oh, no. Like, pulsating backs. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, on a grander scale, it would be kind of nice if it referred to, like, the whole town just, you know, throbbing with with anger and upset and, you know, like, the whole town going crazy. But, I don't know.
3: Okay. Uh,
0: I'm trying to think uh, for a miscellaneous prediction what we should do.
1: Have we done guns
5: fired?
0: <laughs> guns fired. Do you think that's gonna happen a lot?
5: Usually doesn't, but there was a couple in this episode.
1: What about weapons brandished? Brandished.
5: Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> not yeah. just not just like on the hip, like drawn.
1: Yeah, drawn. Yeah, or like yeah, you, got, you just like take out a knife. You produce a knife. Guns,
0: mm. knives. What? What if they happen off screen?
1: I think it has to be on screen.
0: Why don't we combine their their ideas?
1: Okay.
0: And we do um Oh okay. So we'll do guns fired and weapons brandished.
3: Okay. Okay. Uh huh.
0: Predict. Give me a prediction. So two two separate predictions
5: then. Well
0: uh, we'll combine the two. Oh,
3: we're combining the two?
0: Oh, okay.
5: Yeah. So one number for both.
0: Um Well if uh three guns are fired and two people produce knives, it's a total of five. Yeah. What that's if that's,
1: that's what exactly what I prediction? <laughs> what if <laughs> What if three people just take out their gun, and two people fire their gun, then that's still five, right? Yep.
3: Mm-hmm. Okay. hmm Uh, mm-hmm. I will go three.
1: I'm saying, I'm saying, yeah, the same, but I'm saying, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say, like... You said
3: five? No.
1: Because did Carol say five? I haven't said anything Either. yet. Oh. Well, I was gonna say one gun, two knives, and, uh... I know we're not counting verbal assaults, but I'm going to say uh, about five well-placed jabs.
0: Okay, so three. <laughs> uh, hey!
3: Uh, <laughs> C- Carol?
1: Um, five.
3: Five. Very good.
1: I'm thinking it'll probably be seven, but I'm going to go with five. Mm. I have no idea.
0: Okay. <laughs> That's fine. No um. Hey, Corey, thanks for joining us this episode. You're
2: welcome. Thank you, Corey.
0: Do you have any projects or anything on the... you want to promote any podcasts? Anything?
2: Uh, I don't have any projects, but you can hear me in uh, the opening credits for Will's podcast, down below uh, Babylon 5 podcast.
1: Cool. What do you do in the opening credits?
2: They just took clips from the first four seasons that they did, because that's what they did in the show. And they took... uh, I do a few... uh, A a couple commentaries. So... uh, yeah, they they uh, took one of my clips. Cool, aha. So yeah, there's a plug for uh, Will and Ian and Heidi and El- Elizabeth mm-hmm. down below. A Babylon Five podcast. Mm-hmm.
0: Are they going into season five
3: now?
2: Yep they've uh, they would have recorded the second episode for season five today. And they still have four movies, I think.
0: Yeah, they can do Crusade also.
2: Yes, I'm not uh, I'm not positive. But I think they're going to do Crusade. And they're going to do lots of um, special episodes, I think, for this season. That, yeah. like, involve actors from, you know, in other projects.
0: My knowledge of Babylon 5 is pretty much non-existent at this point. But I would guest on a on Crusade, if Will would have me. Oh, have you seen that? A long time ago, but I figured I could watch the first one and not have to watch <laughs> the other. <laughs> so he <laughs> lets me
2: be on the, on the first I, one. I remember you guesting on... On the season two finale.
0: No, no, that was, was that, other yeah. Matt. Was it? Yeah, yeah. They had me
5: a uh, guest on a random Someone... episode of a yes. show I've never see. seen before.
2: Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I can remember. Yeah, that was fun. Um, they they are going to cover an episode of Deadwood, I believe. They are. Mm-hmm. Why? Because why? Uh, Hostetler is in a couple episodes of Babylon Five as a pretty minor character. Hostetler.
0: Oh, so what's a good
2: Hostetler episode? Uh, I'm not sure.
0: Not the I, one where I, he kills himself. Up. That
2: would be <laughs> uh, no. I'm not sure if uh, it's if it might it might. Not... right.
1: I remember him on Babylon Five. Hmm. Oh yeah, I'd quite forgotten. Played an officer.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh, A
1: high-ranking officer. Yep. Yeah, I I watched Babylon Five back when it was on the first time.
2: Um, uh, I've never seen it, so oh, so you're watching it for the first, <laughs> first time now.
1: I
0: liked it when it was on, but I don't have any desire to rewatch
1: I, I, when I saw it, I had missed the first season or something, and I came in on it, and I liked what I saw, and then the last season, there was something with them either changing the channel, a, or...
2: Yeah, it's a different network.
1: A different network, and I didn't get that network, so I oh, tried to get my friend yeah. to tape it for me, and she... Kind of did, if I remember, and i sort of pieced it together. It, I didn't really get the last the last season too well because of the change. So,
0: well, we're very happy that you joined us, and we hope that we'll maybe see you when we move into the next phase of Pupilcast. Maybe
2: later the, this year. The, I'm definitely awaiting the Wire episode.
1: Oh, good. Yeah, I've never seen the Wire. I keep hearing about it.
2: Oh, I, I've I, uh, I've seen it five times, I think.
1: I've I've heard such good things about it, and I just,
2: I just it wasn't finished, I just it finished, wasn't anywhere uh,
1: you could get it for a while.
2: I just finished the Blu-ray
0: set. I have it. I just haven't started to watch it yet. I'm right. a, I'm apprehensive about starting it, but I also <laughs> want to watch it. <laughs> so please find us on iTunes. Leave a five-star review. Go on to Twitter at Hoopelcast and follow us there. We I retweet Deadwood-related things. Go on to Facebook, search for Hoopalcast, find our group, join our discussion group, talk with other Deadwood fans. It's a lot of fun. Send feedback to Hoopalcast at gmail.com. Otherwise, we're going to see you in two weeks for a constant throb. <laughs> oh. All right, Corey, you want to take us out with a fuck you? <laughs> fuck
1: you. <laughs> All right. They don't do
0: that on the Babylon 5 podcast. (laughs) No. Well, that explains why you're not seeing my photographs, because I didn't add my other person to the call. How dare you. So that, that explains,
1: explains it. Whoa.
0: So, whoa! Whoa, 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 hold on.
1: And now we're in the echo chamber. Just wait. That's amazing. For some reason, I have a really hard time finding... <laughs>
3: okay, <laughs> you're fine now. You're fine. I
1: love it. You're okay?
3: What? Oh, fuck. It didn't work.
1: Hold on. I have a hard time seeing... Um, The stuff you're posting and all on either of my, like I've got a, I've got a Mac happening that I'm, that I'm, um, talking to you on. And then I've got an iPad that I can get Skype on, but I've been having a really hard time seeing any of your, like, messages or anything like that on any of it. I don't know why.
0: Do me a favor and talk.
1: Hello. Hi. How are you? Uh, There once was a lady from no um let's see Oh for a muse of fire that would attend the brightest heaven of creation. Okay, let me make sure everything's recording. Tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow creeps in this petty pace from day to day to the last syllable of recorded time and all our yesterdays have lighted fools the way to dusty death. Out out brief candle. Life is but a passing shadow. A poor player who struts and frets his hour upon the stage and then is heard no more. It is a tale told by an idiot, full of sound and fury signifying nothing. Oh, what is this and what is that and why does father leave his bed at such a time of night as is so very incompletely dressed?
0: Oh, I'm sorry, sorry. you can stop talking now.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I follow directions. I was just
0: like, Carol went crazy.
1: (laughs) Now, did you put something online for us to see?
0: No, I was saying that I put some pictures in the Skype, but I guess they didn't go because I wasn't actually connected. Um, I put in, okay, here's a picture of ladies from a UCC church. They're, uh, church ladies for gays or something. Um, here's a picture of Mormons for equality carrying a Game of Thrones inspired sign. And then I have a couple of photos for a tribute to the, Fallen in Orlando, which was kind of moving.
1: Hey, the Westboro Baptist Church, um, decided to picket, um, my denomination's big, uh, general assembly that's being held in Columbus. Wow. I thought that, I was rather proud of that. Oh, well, congratulations. And, yeah, thank you. <laughs> they, uh, they came all the way to Columbus to picket, and, um, did you see the thing with the, the angels, uh, the costumes? the angel costumes that had been made by uh, a congregation in Orlando to shield. Um, yes, General, the picture of that. Right? Yeah. right. They were Unitarian Universalists that made yeah. those angel costumes. So they packed up the angel costumes and they sent them up to the General Assembly. And so they put them on again to, um, and then a the whole group apparently from the General Assembly went out to talk to the Westboro Baptist people. And um uh, and talk to them about um their beliefs and how, you know, hating everybody might not be the best thing. Mm-hmm. And uh Westboro Baptist left after a little while.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: So and uh and they sang songs to them and stuff like that <laughs> until they left. <laughs> <laughs> Kill so, them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was I was rather pleased that uh that they decided to do that. So interesting.
0: Yeah. Alright, let's get started.
1: Alrighty. It's a- it's amateur night. <laughs> <laughs>
0: if, if you guys were going to perform an amateur night, what would be your talents to show off?
1: Well, Matt's playing with his Transformers right now, so that could be his talent.
0: <laughs> I will make this robot
5: turn into a Luger pistol. <laughs> uh, no, I... am uh what can I do?
3: You can do the thumb mm. thing.
5: I can dislocate my thumb. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. What else can I do? Uh oh I can make I can make fart noises with my eye socket. Ooh. <laughs> I'm
1: so I'm sorry prepared. to hear that.
5: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> would would you like to hear what I Matt's gonna perform, guys?
5: Silence I <or> require silence. <laughs> <laughs>
3: This is devolving. <laughs>
0: okay. Uh, fantastic.
2: Bravo! Um,
0: <laughs> moving on. i um, to Is that why you fell in love with him? <laughs> I must marry the man who can do that with his eye it.
3: I must find this man. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Gotta lock that shit down tight. <laughs>
3: Try to seal it... and. <laughs> <laughs> <I'm scientific. laughs>
5: uh, I can make convincing bird chirps. You can. Oh god.
3: I think I don't know. Was that, that convincing? Yes, it's very yeah, convincing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. good.
1: I found it very convincing. <laughs> I don't know what kind of bird we're talking about. Yeah. You're a multi-talented, yeah. fella <laughs> it,
2: it was. It was better than uh, Jerry did.
1: Oh my
3: god. (laughs) I'll pepper your sausage.